Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Talking. My name is Michael Lipton. And my name is Josh. And we have a very special episode for you sitting uh, here six feet apart from us is uh, El Padre, the man of the hour. Our father. Hi, it's Mitch Lipton here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. We're uh, re really glad to have you on here. Um, it's got another great guest episode. So far, you know, we've had some good guests. I think this one might be the best one yet. All right, let's go over what we've got going for us this week. We've got uh, some quick hits to talk about. I think probably a lot of quick hits to talk about. Then we've got our jam session where we'll be talking about Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, we'll be doing a little bit of bold predictions. Then we'll be talking about our experience of going to see the movie Tenet. And then finally, our movie of the week with Pulp Fiction. All right, so quick hits. Who's got any to talk about? First of all, before you talk quick hits, just want to say thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. But that's a lot of pressure because some of those other guests you have. David Schlosser was just amazing. Really, eh, I know. Was he? And was he, though? And that Obama episode, if you missed it, that yeah, one was that pretty one was good. Great. Yeah, <laughs> that was the, uh, the Lost Pilot episode that we've exactly. unaired. Exactly. <laughs> It wasn't very long. It was, get off me. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, Dad, anything to talk about this week? Or in... No, just uh, obviously right now, uh, politics in the United States are basically taking all the news right now. But uh, uh, enjoying it. Enjoying life right now. Got a lot of last few beautiful days out, going for walks, trying to squeeze every little bit of uh, sunlight out there before winter comes. And... Uh, no, enjoying life. All right. Well, uh, yeah. It's like we need we need people who are a little more depressed or something. Like yeah. things are going wrong. We can't have so many happy Everything's people. Everything's falling apart. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing makes sense anymore. I'm in a Kafka novel. I don't understand. Actually, I just tell you, I spent uh, Saturday driving along uh, the eastern part of Ontario, uh, port, like going along Port Huron. Just beautiful. I don't think a lot of people actually head out there. It's just gorgeous out there. The most magnificent sunsets in Ontario out there. Oh wow. Uh, so Godrich, uh, Grand Bend, all the area up there is just beautiful. Okay, so no, I'll jump in as well. We were not right at Godrich, but pretty close. We just did engagement photos, part due, I guess. Family photos, whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's a long story for another time. But uh, we went to an area called 99 Steps. I oh, think yeah. it's, okay, yeah. So it's in Newmarket-ish. Yes. Okay, first of all, complete misnomer. I counted. There are not 99 steps. There are 78 steps. <laughs> and I, but I think 78 steps doesn't have the same kind of ring. So I, I, still I feel like, like there's someone you should sue. I was shorted 21 steps and I want my money. I, I didn't pay back. Exactly. Aaron was like, maybe they eroded. I was like, I don't think so. I guess yeah. it's possible. But I was like one star on Yelp. <laughs> Where are my other steps? No, it was beautiful. Really nice walk. Um, and between like the trees and I'm with you like we weren't for we weren't there for any sunsets but just really gorgeous and I'm with you um, I personally think that life's still good but once winter hits I think a lot of people are gonna get really claustrophobic stuck inside not much to do so we're trying to squeeze every ounce I'm with you go outside it's starting to get a little cold but I still don't mind fall but once once it starts going to five degrees Celsius then it's gonna start being a little issue right now ten still deal it's nice yeah I'll just, I'll just say one of the nice things one of the benefits i won't say benefits nice things but the COVID situation not being able to travel is i've seen a lot more of ontario since this whole thing started i've been traveling all over the province to see parks and find new nature walks and trails and i've been cycling more so i'm getting out more so 
you know, seeing stuff like the 99 Steps or out west or going out to Prince Edward County or, you know, just going to Niagara Lake and finding walks, going to waterfalls and tons and tons of waterfalls in Hamilton. That was just, that was a special treat. I, I went on a waterfall walk in Hamilton with some friends uh, last year. It's beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. And we finished our walk at the perfect time because an ice cream truck came by right <laughs> as we were doing it. We we're just like, this is Where meant to be. It was somewhere in Hamilton. I don't okay. remember. Hamilton's like the waterfall capital of the universe. Okay. It's, I mean, in terms of the number, not yeah. the size of the time, like, yeah. you know, Guzu Falls and down south or Niagara Falls, but they have like something like a hundred small waterfalls. So, little tiny ones, and all in walking paths. You can walk around and see them. Very accessible, very nice, very pretty. For sure. I was going to say, we have friends that live in a uh, part just outside Hamilton called Water Down. Because yes. obviously water falls down. <laughs> and waterfall, water down. <laughs> wow. But it is gorgeous. Deep insights from the man himself. <laughs> <laughs> what comes up? Water down. <laughs> um, no, but it's definitely been gorgeous. And that, I mean, that's why we, for our mini moon, we chose uh, BAM. Because right. we're like, you know what? Travel within, our, travel within Canada is still probably very accessible. And I bet that there are a lot of people doing day trips and traveling. I saw, I'm, I'm a big YouTube fan. I'm on YouTube probably more than I should be. I saw a lot of ads for Northern Ontario and Muskoka and Collingwood yeah. saying, like their tourism boards saying visit, because I'm sure they're like, you know, if you're, what I used to be seeing, Columbia or Aruba, they're like, eh, I'm not, I'm not bidding for that, so now, why not, for sure. Yeah, uh, I've, I haven't been doing a ton of that, but I have been going on walks mostly just to be my, you know, get my outdoor time now, just because whatever I can do. I'm, I'm not driving out all the way out there. Though it does sound like it probably would have been really nice. Yeah. I don't know if I told you guys, but uh, we're toying with the idea of going to an island for a couple months in say January and February. So uh, working from home remotely, uh, there's a couple islands down there that actually allow you to work from home down there. You get a visa down there. So that's my point. Where? We're talking about Barbados, Bahamas, okay. that kind of stuff. Because when you said island, I'm, I was just, yeah, I was like just like literally I'm thinking like a 10 by 10 strip of no. land and you're just like we got a great deal on this island I, I was thinking more like a Bond villains like base welcome uh, Mr. Lipton yeah. <laughs> enjoy <laughs> We're getting our own private lair set up you know? so <laughs> you said for a month I no, say a couple months we go for at Dude. least a couple months because when you get there you have to quarantine for two weeks anyways okay and so just be down there but a lot of, they're trying to, they're actually advertising trying to get Canadians to come down there and for sure. instead of going to Mexico or United States which have very high COVID rates right now their COVID rates are very low and they're dying for people to come down there so and because you got a quarantine for two weeks they're saying forget the one week stay come for a few months I, I have an idea on this so I was joking joking with Aaron that you know we want to save up money so we can eventually buy a house in two and a half years we have the condo though and I was saying, we both work remotely. Why don't we move somewhere, I was saying South America, but like somewhere where it's a lot cheaper to live for a year, rent out our house, our condo, make 20 grand or something, and we can, we can make a little money. We, it's a little warmer, and it'd be a nice way to spend a year. I think it's, uh, you know, the fact that you're doing that, that's, I think, might push me a little farther into making this a reality. The problem is, what do we do with Milo? Oh. oh, is this your way of asking me if I can take care of Milo for you? <laughs> no, no, no. This is, this is but I was like, I, I, we could bring him, but I was just saying how it is more difficult when you have a dog. Thankfully, we don't have kids yet, because that would make it a lot more difficult, but 
yeah. You, you can't ask someone to watch your kids for a year. That's definitely a different company. It's not a year, just like six, eight months. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, no, I'm down for that. I and I think it's probably. I like. I think it's. I think you're gonna see a lot more people do that. Yeah. Well, you know, the world's changing. Things are changing. So it's how are people trying to adapt to it? I mean, with uh, you know my wife Rhonda working from home constantly. She's not going to the office. She could do that uh, if that's okay with her work, you know. Hopefully so, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. What's, what's out, what else is going on? Um, have we talked about the start of the NFL season at all? I don't think so. Um, which, what are we just are in week five now? Yeah, we've got one game left in week five right two now. Games. Oh, two games? Oh, two games because we have a Tuesday game now, yeah. right? Which is. Um, Interesting and new, but um, what's been uh, what's been the biggest moments of uh, and surprises of the season so far for you guys? My biggest surprise is that we've actually been able to get four weeks in, but five point seven five weeks in. I'm I'm the opposite. I always thought we were the amount of money that they would be losing out on if they didn't play is too much. The NFL is ruthless. They were gonna make it happen. I I wasn't sure I how, but I knew it was gonna happen. Yeah, when I'm talking about you know all the potential for COVID cases, not quarantine, not in bubbles. Yeah, there's, and there's so many. No bubbles players. makes no sense. There's to no me. coaches, yeah. players, personnel. There's talking hundreds and hundreds of people per facility, and just taking care of the facilities themselves. You know the, the the trainers, the people take care of the grounds. You just thought there'd be some explosions of COVID, and there's been a couple, but they've been contained, and they've taken it seriously, and so it's amazing that. Things are looking good so far for them. I I agree that I was surprised they didn't bubble up like baseball I, again. Or so, sorry, not like baseball, like basketball. Well, I baseball saying, did for the postseason. Yeah, but I was saying to Aaron, I think that basketball is by far the best run of the major sports. League. Absolutely. Actually, Absolutely. just since you mentioned basketball, a shout out to the Lakers who won the, the championship yeah. last night and. Yeah, I know you hate it, but LeBron's now won his fourth championship. I don't hate three it. different teams, and I've won a Finals MVP four times now with three different. Teams. I don't hate him. I like, listen. I don't hate him. I don't oh, hate him. I don't hate it. I mean, it's listen. I agree. Shout out to LeBron. Um, you know, I hate like when people say, oh, "Is he the best? Second best?" Okay, <laughs> doesn't really matter. He's he top is, two. <laughs> yeah, he's top two. You can and, and his career's not over. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, you know, congratulations to more. I was gonna say Anthony Davis. Yeah. Like, but again, I don't want to say like it proves that it was a good decision to leave New Orleans. It's like it's always a good decision to team up with one of the two greatest players of all time, <laughs> of yeah. all time within your sport. Like that's never a bad decision. Um, I, but I was gonna say I actually did. You guys watch any of the finals? Nope. Yeah. Nope. Well, I, I did. I watched okay. it, but so I you know. might be able to give more insight. Well, the thing is though, I was. It's. I just felt. Miami could have been more competitive if it didn't have the injuries it had. You know, and I was actually surprised with the injuries they had they actually won the two games they did. But they looked they looked really good when they were on, but they just didn't have the depth to, to, to play. And then, unfortunately, the worst game of the whole series was last night's game, the, the no. final game. It was a blowout. I mean, it just it didn't look... It looked like yeah. not I, close. I heard it was like at a 30-point gap in like the second it was, quarter. It was, it was a terrible game. But the other games were actually yeah competitive, close. Uh, Butler, when he played, was on. It was, it was amazing. Um, see, so I, I didn't see any, but to me, one of the reasons I didn't watch is even when I saw heard the finals, I was like Lakers versus Heat. I just I felt mentally like this is a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Like the Lakers, are, I have no idea what the betting odds were, but I just didn't feel like the Heat had a chance. And again, I was proven like they won two, 
Yeah. And I yeah. heard those two games were really good. One was really close back and forth. Like, yeah. shout out to them for making it tough. But I just felt like, I I think from the beginning of the season, everyone thought it was going to be, uh, well, actually, an LA, team, say, an LA team or some people thought Milwaukee. I am never a believer in Milwaukee. I think they are a better regular season team than a playoff team. Yep. yep. Because they're just too easy to scheme for because they're just like. They're, they're one guy. Yeah. They're one guy. You know what it reminds me of? Also, did, did, did Giannis's brother Giannis's brother win uh, a, a finals now does he have a, is a he ring? on the Lakers I think so I, I think, think his brother won a championship before him which yeah. is kind of <laughs> that that's kind of sucks <laughs> that's like yeah Robert Ory has more rings than LeBron yeah. I know but like this is this is just this guy is probably the, the best player in the league right now and just his brother is just like him hey, like, good dive god best, 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 best baseball brothers are the DiMaggio brothers yeah. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's who cares about all, that? Yeah, there's like, all these little things. Right yeah. yeah. Anyway, so we're <laughs> now I'm thinking, who are the richest brothers ever? I'm like, does Basil? Basil has like, does Bezos have a brother? I don't think so. <laughs> it's just like it's true. It's like whoever is the richest and then just has a brother. The walls, the wall, maybe the Walmart's the walls. Yeah, that's they're, right. They're, they're, well, yes, yeah, so if you combine them all, yeah, I've heard. Sam Walls. Did he have two kids? They're still like the richest top ten up there. Well, yeah. But uh, oh, I was just going to say one quick thing on the NBA, which was, uh, yeah, so like, to me, Milwaukee just seems like, I don't know if you guys play, I don't play a lot of video games, but like, in fighting games, there's normally people that just spam one move. Like, they only do one thing and they just hit the same, that's, that's the Bucks. They just have one move, it's Giannis. And good teams can game plan for it, bad teams can't. So in a seven game series, I always, like the stats say, oh, they're the favorite, I never believe in them. And maybe they'll prove me wrong one day, but I just don't believe that they're dynamic enough. I think that they've probably only got one more year to prove it, because I don't think he's going to stick around if they don't, I don't make any either. noise. Yeah. And I don't see Giannis staying there long term at all. I, well, we started this with NFL, right? Yes, yeah, so, yeah. so big surprises of the NFL, besides the COVID scenario. How bad the Niners have looked. The Niners have looked brutal. Well, and a lot of that is, look at all the injuries that they uh, had. You know, on, injuries. on defense, Bosa and, was Bosa and Solomon went down? Yeah, but, so, okay, Solomon's not a major game. piece. Bosa's a major piece. But then it's there was also... Bosa goes down, yeah. Solomon's useful to have and to keep for that sure. line. And D Ford was also injured. The definitely injuries hurt. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, but, the, you know, Garoppolo looked terrible in the, in the game yesterday. Yeah, terrible. terrible. Mullins is terrible. Uh, I guess, to me, the, the biggest stories are how well that Patrick's played for Miami. <laughs> Which is, you know, every historically he's been like good, horrible, good, horrible, good, horrible. Imagine that he has moments every time where he's just like, is is he possibly maybe good? And then he, then he has the game where you're just like, nope, my priors were right about him yeah, again. He's had four good games in a row. Which means uh, he's due to be back. To yeah, normal. he's. Due, it's coming, and it's when it comes, we're just gonna be like, yep, that's the ride Fitzpatrick I know. So that that that's a that's an interesting story. And then I'm, I'm having mental block. The quarterback that started yesterday had the broken leg from two two years ago. Oh, Alex Smith. Alex, Alex Smith. Smith. So Alex Smith finally, after 17 surgeries he had, yeah, is actually almost got the leg amputated. Almost got the leg amputated. Was actually playing in the NFL as a quarterback. It's a feel good that, story that's for sure. Feel good story. Yeah, that's just amazing. That's probably you know who's probably watching that story and thinking. Dak. Dak's Dak has got. I feel like we got to I mean, take he, a moment to talk about this. I know Dad probably doesn't want to talk <sighs> about Dak, but. For context, our father has Dak on his fantasy team, and he's been very upset by the Yeah, news. well, you know, so I had him, <laughs> dropping him tomorrow, unfortunately. But that's, yeah. you know, for him. Yeah, that first was. Of all, I gotta tell you, I, if why he wasn't screaming his head off, or just he seemed like 
quite the guy. I've heard yeah. Josh just kicks in. Just shot kicks in. Just I, I mean, he, he was was crying on the way off, but I don't think as much of it was the pain as much as it was just like the, the you know emotion of that over. moment. Yeah. The season's over. So they say, what, uh, Not four, well, six, eight months, uh, he'll be good. But it's a big year for him. It's, it's a, a contract year where he was expected to try and that's sign why like a $400 million his, That's contract. why I think his season, even if he could make back, I'm like, he does not want to get back until he's 100% healthy because that'll just hurt his bargaining power I think I think yeah. it's so he's gonna, he's gonna have to sign a one year deal probably I prove know. it and then try and sign the big contract after that could be but I honestly think if Dallas doesn't sign a big time I actually feel like a team would take a shot on him he, I, I think like he will t- sign a one year yeah, deal he'll sign a big one to, with, but deal with somebody. I, I think yeah it's, it's gonna be interesting for sure this makes mm-hmm. things very interesting for, for yeah, probably go back to Dallas yeah, but I'm thinking, like, there's t- teams out there, like the Vikings with Kirk Cousins, yep. where they were like, hey, we think we're one piece away. And I still think, like, they're a quality team there. But, like, I'm thinking, are there any other teams that are, like, they feel like they're just one piece away and they can get a gunsling quarterback for a year and say, like, hey, like, let's go, like, let's push all the chips in? Are, yep. Is there a team like that out there that's got the defense, the running back, but just doesn't have a good quarterback? I, I don't know. Um,. We'll see where we're at in a year, because, I mean, this discussion really is where the teams are at a year from now, not where they're at right now. I'm curious how Dallas is going to do the rest of the year. I mean, they were... Well, they're, they're, they aren't performing before this injury. It's the NFC East. Can we, wait, can we, can we talk about the they're NFC East? They're going to win at six and ten. The NFC least? Yeah. <laughs> Just the, is this the weakest division you've seen in your life? I have to think so. Yeah. No, because it's... The weakest since last year's NFCs. <laughs> I, every year, like, I feel like this one's weaker than last. I don't know. Year. And then two years ago, it was weak. It's literally been the weakest division for like five of the last seven years, probably. I know. It's it's really just kind of gross. I don't know. And I'm not just talking one football. Good team, like one good team. Yeah. The division really look terrible. This teams. this is looking like the weakest division well, yeah, I've seen. Irrelevant of sport. What's, what's yeah. the Patriots? The AFC East. East. Okay, because yeah. that one also is like we said. Normally one good team and then the rest are trash. Yes. But at least there's one good team. Well, now the the, the nails look now, really good. But I said historic for the last over yeah. the last decade. I would bet that was the if you took out the league winner had the lowest average yeah. probably. I think yeah, the Bills have probably ones. been one of the bigger stories of the year I think as well. The Bills look real. Yes, because Josh Allen, is, I Josh I still don't. Allen. I'm still not a hundred percent on him, but no. But the, the offense, looks, the defensive, looks good. The defense Diggs, is always good. Diggs is adding another layer to their offense. There, hmm. they've been playing without Zach Moss as a running back, and, and, six, and so Singletary is probably was going to no, be. I don't think that matters. matters. No, but I think it does because I think Singletary just run, run, run. Him only, he's going to get beat up by the end of the year. Yeah, there's gonna be mileage on him. Yes, but that's but that doesn't affect what has happened the first five. Like to me, I'm still not convinced that they're real. I think they're a good team. There's no doubt they're good. They're a good team. I guess the point is how good. To me, are they at nine and seven team or ten and six, or are they like a a real team? Because to me, like nine, I think they're good enough to definitely make the playoffs and maybe even make win a game or two. But I don't think they're legit enough because Josh Allen, I still think has too much I just feel like he's still going to make a boneheaded play so many boneheaded plays that like lose games like he just he he's got those high highs where his athleticism is ridiculous and when everything's working he looks unbelievable he looks like Superman and then he does something and you go what what 
did I check the score right? Like, why did he do that on first and ten or something like that? This yeah. is a play for, like, fourth and or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, he just makes these weird plays that make no sense. To, to me, the other big story of the NFL, and maybe it's recency bias, but um, injuries, injuries, injuries. Yeah, that's what I was going to say has been... Just seems to be like... I know some people say it's because they didn't have the three weeks of, of the... preseason. Preseason, get people in shape and ready, and, and I hear stories about the turf, but it seems like maybe it's... It seems like way more injuries than I ever remember, and big stars too. Like yeah, week after week lots after week. of big names, and I think, I think some of the soft tissue injuries probably would have been prevented by having a little bit more time to ramp up towards yeah, game think, speed. And I don't think Dax was a soft tissue. No, injury. that one, that one's an injury. That's a freak injury. That's happening no matter what. Like. You you yeah. can't you can't do any conditioning that's going to help you. I would that. love to see actually the stats on if there actually are more injuries or if the injuries are just to higher profile people. That could be that's interesting because yeah. Yeah. I I like again, and the other thing like we said oh there's no preseason like people get injured in preseason too. I know they do and so but, but because but when they get injured in preseason you don't think of it like my thinking is it could be completely bullshit because it's COVID we're like looking for like why are there injuries I know we didn't have preseason because of COVID like and we're trying to like look for like answers instead of like football's a tough sport where people get injured because you have grown men running into each other and again I could be wrong but like it does feel like there's way more injuries to way high, higher profile players but like I don't know how it compares it's funny you should say that because you know before I go into fantasy football there's be these injuries to offensive line defensive line I like oh whatever I don't know who this person is yeah. whatever now, I'm, because I'm fancy football... I'm like, sort of, that guard needs to clear the way for my running back. Exactly. I need him. He's a big part of this. Well, that cornerback, he's not on the team anymore, so I know my wide receiver's going to do much better. So I'm actually following more injuries than I have in the past. So you're right, Josh. Maybe it's the high-profile people getting injured, but it just feels like it's just, every week it's a not just like a small injury. It's season-ending injuries like every single week and big names all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them also just seem to... Uh, some of them seem to just come out of nowhere. Like, I don't know, the one that, that felt weirdest to me, honestly, maybe it's just because he was on, on my team, but the Alan Lazard one, because he played a full game and then, like, didn't wasn't hobbled at all at the end of the game, and then the next day had a surgery for, for an injury that was not apparent at all just, like, ten minutes earlier. It was just weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, but, shit, it's true. Shit happened. I mean, you read about... I was going to say, there's, like, freak stories in baseball sometimes that you read where it's, like... Uh, what was the one? The, uh, one of the players was taking luggage out of the car and slammed oh, yes, his yeah. hand and broke his hand. <laughs> or one guy was shaving and cut himself. But or then who, someone just fell downstairs. Yeah, one like, where it was just one, like one guy slipped in the shower. Oh yeah. yeah. Now also some of these. Someone I, shot himself in the leg. Just these freak accidents, yeah, exactly. you know. Yes. Sometimes you just plastic yourself. Yeah. And I was going to say, though, how often... Some of these freak ones, I think, are pure lies <laughs> because I think they don't want to void their contract. Like, a lot of... I remember oh, Monte... Sure, yeah. yeah, Monte Ellis in basketball had a contract saying he couldn't ride dirt bikes. And so he said, oh, I got injured one way. And I was like, no, he you fell got... down the stairs yeah, and then it turned it out like, it was dirt, dirt bikes. bikes. <laughs> and so I'm like, sometimes I'm like, eh, did you, though? Did you? Yeah. I feel like some of these are not just that. Maybe someone... Feel like at least someone's been injured doing something that the, their wives wouldn't appreciate, and then just the For next, sure. yeah, and then it's just like, oh no, it was a, uh, was it was uh, a, a a ledge. Yes. I didn't see the ledge, and yes. I tripped. And that it was, was a it. pole dancing injury. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> natural causes. Natural um, causes. Yes. Yeah. 
No, that's true. And then, I'm trying to think if there's any other major stories because like mostly sound I've, like I've got uh, in the NFL or, or generally NFL first, and then we can move on. But I'm, like because all these were pretty recent, like week five, like recency bias, Dak. I'm trying to think like of a general trend. Like I don't know. That, 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 like I said, injuries. What do we think of Tom Brady? I think uh, Tom Brady's doing exactly what I thought he'd be doing. He, he's you know he's a great quarterback. He's got a great mind. He sees things. Starting off poorly because he doesn't doesn't know the team, the team doesn't know him, doesn't know the system. He's never he's only worked played for one other team before, right? So yeah. I'm seeing every week he's getting better and better, mm-hmm. and the players are knowing what you know where Tom wants him to be. So I, I think I think he's good. I think he's gonna now is he gonna make the playoffs? Is he gonna be great in the playoffs? I don't know, mm-hmm. but I think he's playing exactly like I thought he'd be playing. Yeah. Uh, the the one person who hasn't been I mean, Drew Brees he's making. All of his short throws, but his arm strength just—it looks like he's got a noodle attached to his shoulder. It does. It's—it's. It's, I'm concerned about that. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't be this way going forward. And he just needs to get a little bit more reps under. I don't know what it is, but he's looked. It's. I've been concerned about that. So in my other league, someone traded Michael Thomas, and I thought for way too little. And when I asked why, because I was trying to trade with this guy too, and I was like, "Yo, why didn't you offer me Michael Thomas?" He's like, oh, Michael Thomas, I don't believe in Drew. Like, I saw the arm, and, I, like, I've heard a lot of people say the noodle. When I think Drew Brees, I never thought of a deep ball passer. No, like, huge but arm. It, it was like... It changes the way defenses will play him. For sure. Right. But is it, like, is it enough to be like, I don't believe in Michael Thomas anymore? I don't uh, I don't think so, but I do think we would expect, even, even if Michael Thomas came back 100%, there'd be fewer of the, the intermediate routes... That he wants to run because maybe they'll play fewer deep safeties and there'll be more middle coverage to to stop those sorts of plays. Yeah, that, it definitely could. But my thing is like, how much of a discount? I would. I, I mean, I wouldn't discount him a huge amount, but I do think that there's a legitimate thing to yeah. say that there should be some discount on there. And it, it's true. The age is getting up there. He could be, but I just feel like I've realized I. I went back and did research on like all these draft picks I had or, or fantasy drafts for baseball and football and people who I thought, oh, this guy's going to be big. Sometimes I'm right. Last year I drafted DK Metcalf. I was right on that one. Yeah. It looks yeah. great. He looked awesome yesterday, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. He looked great yesterday. I know. Yeah, I that pocket, also, so I that, was... that game was... Um... I forget how big he was. Like, he's a big Oh, he's my a God. Huge I showed Aaron boy. the picture of him with no shirt on <laughs> with like eight... But that's why he dra- he was like a workout war. The guy is just like zero percent body fat, ran crazy fast, benched a crazy amount, jumps a crazy high, but they're like, but can he play football? <laughs> <laughs> I and think we've seen the can. answer. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah. I mean also, I just quickly the, so yesterday Minnesota had uh the ball on like the four yard line, fourth and one up by five or something yeah. like that and chose not to kick it and went to go for it. They ended up losing the game. What do you guys think of that decision? Because I think by the numbers, it's probably the by right the numbers, decision. it's the right move. It There's was. No question and for everyone that. said that. They didn't execute. That's the only problem. Um, and, then the, yeah. and then the defense, of course, they had to rely on our defense to try and hold Seattle. But I think it's the right move. I really I do. thought so, it was the right move, so but I think it's not going to be portrayed the, that way. I don't think... I actually don't think... I think well, enough now. I'd like to assume that people are reasonable enough that like I even saw when I was watching they talked about the call and they said the math was right and I think 10 years ago 5 years ago even they wouldn't have said oh the math is right they would have said what the hell is this guy doing I think enough today like modern people are realizing that it, it does make sense and when you do the math they kick the field goal they would be up by 8 right 
Yeah. You, you said they were up by five? They were up by five. They woke okay. up by eight. So then Russ would need to still score a touchdown and then go for two. But if they score it, if they get it, they win 100%. Yeah. And Russ they just anyway kneel. scored a touchdown. Yeah. So they didn't get they didn't get the two-point conversion, yeah, though. No, but I, I know so that... What it would it come down to, then, is yeah. let's say they kick the field goal. Seattle comes back, gets a touchdown. It would have come down to the two-point conversion. Which they tried and failed. Which they tried and failed. But I'm saying that if they got the two-point conversion and, and were successful, then it goes to overtime... So what they're saying is that kicking the field goal really didn't make a difference. They're going to get the touchdown either way. Yeah. If they're going to run it. So the mm-hmm. question is though, is it more successful to go for you know fourth and one? Is it for them to get a two point conversion? I think that's fourth, what the odds come it, down. That exact exactly. Well, not really, but yes. Assuming knowing hindsight, it's it's hard to conflate like what actually happened with like what the odds are before because like knowing what happened, it's like well it was one hundred percent the wrong move. Well, yeah, because it didn't work out. But I I think we. I think all three of us agree, like, it was the right move. It's just a difficult move to make. And I think a move like that is done more by a coach who's been there for a while, like Zimmer. Yeah. Because if you're a first-year head coach and you do that, or on the hot seat, I don't think you do it. I honestly think, like, Bill O'Brien would not have made that move because he's like, I'm getting fired. Maybe he would. He's like, I'm getting fired anyway. Let's punch on first. Why did he not get fired earlier? Can we just talk about how bad this man is at everything? Yeah, so the Atlanta coach finally got fired. Oh, Dan uh, Quinn? Yeah, Dan Quinn finally he's got fired. Not, yeah. Finally, should have been fired last year. Yeah. Why they put him, kept continuing this year, I have no idea. I think if there was still some will left over for when they okay, won the but NFC But the Dan Quinn one, okay, Dan Quinn, I don't think he's a great coach. And fired, cool. I'm, like, not against it, I'm sure. The Bill O'Brien one, the reason it doesn't make sense to me is because he was not just the coach, but they also GM. gave him GM privileges. Which, why? He First of all, so why would you do that? But once why? you do that, I feel like you got to go all in. You can't say you're being GM privileges and be like, and we're firing you two weeks later. To me, this is like buying a stock and going down 20% the next day and you're like, well, I guess I'm selling it for a lot. Like, you're in. You're in. Yeah. You're, you've, if you've, you're giving you've, someone GM privileges, you've got to give them like you got to give months. them time. Yeah. So I'm like, I think they were idiots for believing him in the first place. But once you believe in him, just leave it. Like, you just say like, listen. Commit. Commit. Yeah. commit. You, can't, you can't be half in, half out. I think there's this, a, a big cost of, of changing leadership like that and the and man did they lose out by getting they traded Hopkins ah, I don't even want to talk yeah about they did everything right? <laughs> um wait so I was just gonna go back the thing before so I called DK Metcalf yeah that was a good one but you should see the list of guys I picked that were garbage <laughs> I, 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 I part of me was like should I just leave it and be like I'm a genius I pick all these guys like there's baseball I picked Mookie Betts great like that was a huge steal for me early like there's lots of guys like that where I called from the beginning, and lots of guys who have no idea. And so I've just decided, you know what? I I don't trust my eyes anymore. I was watching, we were talking about Herbert. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, he looks legit. But I was like, but... Every, he looks legit to me, he looks too. Legit, I'm so happy. But I, st- but I try to only look at the numbers. Because every time I watch Philip Rivers, I go, is this guy the worst? Co-? Like, he just, every ball looks terrible. Every ball Philip Rivers throws looks ugly. Now it did. It did now, used to be like no. Even before he no. would throw these. Yeah, he would he throw, would throw ugly some balls ugly that balls. would be in the perfect position to catch yeah. a touchdown. And it's like, okay, he's his stats are great. It doesn't matter how Here's he looks. The thing. Once you see enough of those ugly balls end up in the perfect position, you're like, it looks ugly, but you know it's gonna get there, not by fluke, because he's done it like thirty but, times yeah, that's in my the point. past two yes, weeks. Yes, for 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 it, once you've seen a guy enough. Yes, but that's my point. I do not trust my ability to look at a quarterback in one game and be like, Herbert looks great. He's the next big thing. I'm like, 
I I just have no confidence in my ability. So I, same with the Drew Brees thing. His arm looks like a noodle. It's something that I think about, but I like I weigh it very little because I'm like, you never know. It's like well, if he's putting up stats, doesn't matter. Well, uh, for for me, I've seen most of what Drew Brees has done this year because I've got Kamara, so I'm watching all the Saints games. Sure. And I've seen most of what Herbert's done this year. And so for for my thing, having seen all those snaps. Breeze, I'm legitimately concerned about, and Herbert, I'm so excited about as a Chargers fan. And we'll see if he, like, again, I'm not saying I don't think Herbert's good. I think he could, could be very good. I guess my point is, like, I'm slowly, what we were talking about before, adjusting our priors. I don't want to do it too quickly. And it's just, I don't know why it's reminding me of this, but Tony Roma. Romo. 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 Not, not, Romo? not the restaurant you're no, thinking. <laughs> Tony Romo. Roma. <laughs> Great you know, chef does yeah. awesome that, sauce. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, Dax was leading a team to one and three and was still giving all this credit to how great he was. Oh, and Tony got shit on all Tony, the time. He terribly got shit on all the time. And to tell you the truth, he didn't have the weapons as good a team as, as what not just Dax had. Tony I, is I, I, amazing. And he was. I, I, okay, I did not like Tony he when he was playing, but nowadays, I love him. I yeah. love him so well, much. Why didn't you like him? Well, why didn't you like him? Well, first off, I hate the Cowboys. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I like Dak as a person. I still hate the Cowboys, which makes me not like Dak. It's like, I don't think I ever hated Tony Romo. I was just hated everything around. It was like, I oh, this guy's conversation nice, but... around him as well. Cause, yeah. But, you yeah. know, I think he actually did not... He, he got skewered, which he, he didn't so deserve much. so badly. And, and, he's okay, a way better quarterback but, than to say he was. But, and nowadays, hearing him comment, and you're just like, he's he's the, the seer, he's the oracle of Delphi yeah. when it comes to yeah. NFL commentators, it's it's kind of scary sometimes, isn't it? You're it's, just it is. So I was talking with someone about, it's very related, Matt Ryan, where it's like, Matt Ryan, if you look at his career, very, like he won an MVP. He had a very, very good stats. But I think in 10 years, assuming he doesn't win anything, what are people going to remember? Oh, Matt Ryan. That was the guy that led that terrible collapse versus New England. 28 to 3, baby. That's Tony Romo. When people think Tony Romo, there's two plays that come to mind. Three plays. There's the fumble. The fumbled snap, which is, like, not his fault. There's, like, this terrible pick six he threw. And then there is there are some, like, highlights, which are amazing. But, like, the first one that comes to mind is that fumbled snap. And I think, unfortunately, that there's, like, him, career-defining moves. And people don't look at, ev- like, the 6,000 6, throws he made, of yeah. which were really good. And he made really good plays 80 90% of the time, whatever it is. You get defined by one or two plays. And you just got to make sure those one or two plays are good. Like, we were talking about... Um, the Seattle uh, Seahawks when they lost to New oh, England. The, yeah, when like, they threw it instead of running the Marshall Lynch play. Yeah. Except for that play. Yeah. And I think in 20 years when people say, like, remember football plays, like, you know how at the beginning of NFL games how they show, like, legendary plays, like the Immaculate Catch and this, and that will be end, on there. You know, the NFL film. Do I know it? Do I know it? It's my ringtone. You know, you're talking about Bill Buckner, first baseman. Yeah. A million, oh. year, million plays, fantastic player, spent his entire career being an awesome player, teammate, everything else. One play goes between his legs, and that's all he's going to remember for his, his entire life. Lonnie Smith also is going to be... Lonnie Smith, another one, right? He was, uh, he's also a really interesting guy. I don't think as much the, as Lonnie, um, but yes. Have you guys seen the the pretty the, the episode that John Boys did about Lonnie Smith? 
I have not seen it. It is an insane story. I'm just going to say if you haven't seen it, and I know you guys both like John Boyce. Yeah. It is yeah. insane. It involves uh, a planned murder of his boss. It is, I'm not even joking. It is a crazy story. Lots of cocaine and crazy stuff and an attempt to murder his boss. So It's crazy. crazy it's really good. Cocaine. Well, that's unusual. It's just, uh, yeah. Years after he quit cocaine. <laughs> Is, he planned to murder someone. Question: Is Joan Namath the anti-Romo? Yes, one career to play. He was never oh, good. No, I don't want to say he was that never was good. The, the stats there, when you actually era adjust, he was not as bad as you think he was. Yes, was, his stats looked terrible, but it was like, I, like era adjusted, he was like okay, yeah, mediocre. He was, I think he's above average. He was good, just, but he wasn't like famous amazing. Not just because of his play, but because of who he was and who oh, yeah. the the, the, the mink. Coats and, and stuff. And yeah. Playboy Mansion and stuff like that. There's a whole bunch of Joan Namath sure. to For legend, sure. not just... And, 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 you know, his whole college career, it wasn't... Yeah, he had one good game. I'm not, no, I'm not saying and, that, but I'm trying to think, like, so who, who yeah. else would you say is, like, the anti-Romo, where they had, like, a very mediocre to good player, but, like, has one player that, like, just defines them in a positive light? I gotta think about that one. I, I can't think of anyone that tops name. Okay, let's... Maybe next week we'll... We'll think um, the anti-Romo. I can't think of anyone because I'm trying to think of like the I'm trying to think of like Fisk and this, but he was he was better than that. Yeah, I know, so but like there's no one else I can think of who was like, uh, well, no. I'm Is Joe Carter? The... Joe Carter was never an amazing. He was a never good player. He, okay. He was thought of as great at the time, but in retrospect, he's not looked at as positively because we have a better understanding of stats now. Yeah. So, so, but he also has like an amazing play. That like is yeah. career defining. Yeah, he's an amazing play, but not just that. You realize also he had multiple three run home run games. Oh yeah, he was he, he was in the right spot at the right time for many games, but compared to as the players of the time, you know he was not the best player. Never was. Never being considered for yeah. MVP or anything like that. But he was a a really good player. For a lot, for many yes. years. No shitting on Joe Namath or Joe Carter. Maybe uh, it's just uh, Joe. No, no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm good shit on Joe. No, I no, like they're him. both good players, but I don't think. We, I also yes, don't like him personally. They're both thought of higher. Flacco. Flacco? Yeah, Flacco's very mediocre. Play, but, Flacco, but he doesn't have a play. I no, agree. A play. I, I also think people play. understand now that he was mediocre. I don't think that there's a lot of Joe Flacco. Uh, yeah, yeah that guy. But the time. A lot of people say, oh my god. He got a huge contract out of it. Yeah. yeah. Good for Joe. Good for good Joe. Good for Joe. Now good he's on Joe. the Jets and is terrible. <laughs> well, he's never good. Yeah. No. You have to ask me. Okay. I just want to talk about one other, not not historical figure, but just current player who just does not look good. Did you guys see Joe Burrow in the last game against oh, the... Oh, that's terrible. He looked... I did not. Unrosterable. Like, he did. He did. Really? Yeah. He Wait, looked like... The Ravens? Against the Ravens. Oh, okay. First of all. I honestly, you have to like discount. I think the Ravens have an amazing. They team. do, but like you yeah. watch it, he looked like he did not even know. know what he was doing. He's a he looked like he was against a great confused team. about what his job was. Fair, <laughs> and he's a rookie. See, he's a rookie, so you gotta give him a little like credit. He's had good games. He's gonna have bad games. You should just expect it. And that's my point. Like, if someone watched that, are they maybe gonna be like Joe Burrow sucks? Cut him. And it's like I, I, I'm, not, I'm not out on Joe Burrow, game. but like having watched that, my my Joe Burrow hype meter is like at a is approaching empty. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. He's listen. I don't want to say I was never like that on board for Joe Burrow, but like, uh, the, yeah, I don't know. I was I was never like, is this guy really gonna become the next big thing, or is he just? I I always thought he was gonna be a good quarterback, but not 
a superstar. He's the next Blake Bortles, baby. No, better than that. Again, my, my whole thesis in the NFL is today, quarterbacks, there's so many good quarterbacks. Not great. There's very few great, great, great quarterbacks, but there's so many good quarterbacks that what you need is a great defense, a great run game, and then you plug in a, a, like a Carson Palmer type. Yeah. yeah, and that is like the way to win. I have like, not thought about Vikings, that game in a while. Yeah, I'd rather have a great quarterback and a mediocre team, or a great team with a mediocre quarterback. Yeah. I'd rather have a mediocre quarterback yeah. and a great team. Like there's so many you guys. You can win with defense. You can win with a good offensive line. You can win, yeah. you know, a good running back. You know, quarterback's important, but you know, it's, it's, it's a big team. It's a lot of yeah, team. I agree. Parts there. And, and again, if you have a if you have a Mahomes. He can carry, but there's not that many Mahomes. There's even not though they lost. By the way, did you happen yeah. to see that special teams play yesterday in the Giants game, Dallas game? No. Yes. So, oh Where he was gosh, offsides? Oh my God. So they had this play. Talking about how important special teams are, they went to do a. You don't need to tell me. I'm a Chargers fan. Yeah. I know what special teams yeah. can do to you. It so can they, destroy they, your team. They they faked the they faked the kick. They had. Uh, they faked a field goal. There's yeah. a guy out. Wide right. Wait, wait. They he throw was, a touchdown. He was, he was pretending, pretending he was running off the field to get set up for the kick. Stayed on the field, ran wide open, touchdown passed him. One of the guys on the offensive line did not get set in time, so there was a penalty and called it back. So I'm saying, even your defense, even your special teams, is so important to winning a championship that you know one player doesn't can't do it. It's not like basketball. You need a whole a good yes. team. Yes. Do you know two factors the Patriots lead almost every year in? Turnovers and special teams plays. So know. turnovers and net net punt yards. <laughs> like it doesn't seem to make a big difference, but it's like if every time you're punting a little farther and returning a little more, yeah, your field position, you're, you're your field, their field position is so much better, and they don't give away the ball. And those are like, I agree. Like listen, and that's you, Bill Belichick. Yeah, that's it's, yeah. well, the little things. There's a great book, the extra two percent. It's like you get two percent here, you get two percent there. These things add up. If you keep yeah. getting edges. And stealing plays and recording <laughs> you know, <those> other things. <laughs> yeah. And deflating the ball. and yeah. you know. Sometimes you go too fast. So I don't know if we're done with football, but just as a baseball, I'm happy the Yankees are out, by the way. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> Celebration, baby! Celebration, yeah. I'm, hoping, I'm glad that the T-Bay beat the Astros yesterday. I'm hoping that they beat the Astros in the whole series. Yeah. I'd love nothing more. Yeah. There's a lot I, I, of arrogant guys on that. The, a lot of great players, but there's a lot of arrogance on the Astros team. Yeah. They're trying to prove... That they earned their World Series, which I'm not sure they did. Yeah. I think they did. Okay, Josh and I have had a discussion about this multiple times. I'm more of a, a fuck the Astros guy, and Josh is more <laughs> of a we don't know. Like, we, we, know. Both agree, we, we both agree. We both agree that we don't know how much it is. But I, my prior is it's probably a little bit greater, and Josh's prior is it's probably a much smaller well, my, amount. And neither of that has to do with quote unquote fuck the Astros. Like my thing is like you can. I think it's completely fair to say like. I do not like the Astros because of what they did. I think it was wrong. That is 100% fair. My question is, did it actually make a difference? Like, to me, it's like uh, blood doping or something. Or, like, <laughs> doing something that's illegal, but when it doesn't matter. Like, you blood dope, oh, I actually used the wrong blood, so it didn't make a difference. But it's like, well, you still broke the rules. Like, I don't think, it, I don't actually don't know Does if it anybody, made a difference. Do you think anyone's fucked up cheating that badly? They were like, oh, man, I, I, I blood doped with the bad blood instead of the good blood. Now I'm fucked. I don't know. I'm not good with analogies. <laughs> but that was, that's my logic. Is like, they broke the rules. It's bad. But I don't actually know how much of a difference I'm made. not sure who I'm mad at. The Astros or administration, the, the league. Because I think the Astros deserve the win, 
But someone should pay the penalty for what they've done, and no one of the players did. And that's because I think the union is very strong. Yes. Yeah. And the, the, the management and the ownership and the uh, the commissioner is very scared of the players and the league and the uh, players union. And that's what bothers me about the Astros. I think they deserve to win. I didn't think it made a big enough difference they would have won or lost. There's too much talent on that team. Yeah. But it just seems ridiculous that not a single player paid any penalty of any shape or form for what happened. Agreed. And and if earlier we said Adam Silver and basketball are the best run league, absolutely. Is baseball absolutely. the worst? Uh yes. maybe and a, maybe well, the Goodell. big four. Of the big four. Of the I don't know. Four. Goodell is kind of Goodell's hated because he's ruthless, but I don't think he's I think he runs it like a ruthless business. Like, if he retired and ran an oil company, I wouldn't be surprised. Or, like, Evil Corp. Like, yeah, he's no, like, if, he if gets he's, shit done. He's Daniel Plants here. <laughs> he gets shit done, which is why I don't think they're, like, poorly... Like, I might not just... I, I think maybe his morals are sometimes in question, but I don't think, sometimes? like... A lot of the time. <laughs> but I don't think he's, like, poorly... I literally think, like, baseball just doesn't know what it's doing sometimes. I'm just like, what is going on? Do you on? think that's on the commissioner or on the, the team owners? A little of both. Okay. Yeah, I love both, and I, I really think that uh, there's, there's a lot of problem with. And I think when you're gonna see a strike next, will be in baseball. A hundred percent. I think there's a next one. I, I think that there's a problem with that league, a big problem with that league. Yeah, well, I think that's also there's underlying issues, not just with the stuff that we've been talking about, but with the trends in terms of viewership are going to make things a lot more difficult with these negotiations. Yeah. So we, you watch business, or you listen to business work. Absolutely. Okay, so Michael has an... I'll check out. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll drink some yeah, water. Let's just fine. be clear. Yeah. So there's some great episodes and some horrible episodes. Agreed. But it's a, it's a podcast that does like a five, six, seven uh, part episode on different, you know, two or three businesses that go head to head where it's like... The, the pizza business, the yeah. department stores. Yeah. And I think the origin stories are interesting, but when it sometimes gets down to the end, when you start talking there's about... There's steam. You know, it loses a lot of steam, a lot of interest, and there's usually one episode at the end where it talks about, you know, uh, they interview someone that knows a lot about I skip those. Most times are terrible. Once or twice, it's really good because it talks about maybe a 50,000-foot vision of the yeah. whole industry. But I, that's why I say, I, we're not sure I recommend the podcast. But I so would. I think it's great. But just like... Some of them are amazing. It's like the Mars Hershey one, unbelievable stories. Yeah. I I, again, I like a, I like a lot of them. I agree. Like, I do not like the interviews. But the, the point of it was, there was one recently. I don't know if you've heard the one about the pizza wars, like Domino's no, versus I've, Pizza I've, Hut. Yeah. So anyway, you, this is something you'll know. So I'm not ruining anything. This is the good part. It's history, so you can't ruin it. Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> I don't oh. know. I think you once complained to me that I ruined the the end of Day of Did the you? Jackal. <laughs> that someone who's a historical figure wasn't assassinated. But, I was just like, I didn't know no, Day, we know well, that I didn't he know was Day of the Jackal was assassinated. Oh, you wrecked the movie. I was gonna watch but, it. By, by the way, I didn't know what Day of the Jackal was about. <laughs> It's a great okay. That's the point. I was like, oh, don't tell me the end. Oh, it's real. Okay. Yeah. It's like I, it's not I, real, but it's like a I, historical fiction. I know. Well, one I can't remember which late. You should host. still watch it if you haven't seen it. It's so good. Wait, <laughs> to me, by the way, yeah. segue. Great movie if you know the ending and still great to watch. So like, yes, Apollo thirteen. Oh yeah, sure. Jackal. You know what happens? Well, it's about the journey. It's, not, it's about the journey. So for sure, good. But there's I can't remember one late night host. It's still my favorite joke. Uh, it was like, uh, oh, did you see, uh, did you see, uh, the passion of the press? Oh, don't ruin the ending. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, so, so business wars. So like, I don't know if you can remember, uh, like a decade ago or whatever, Domino's. Yeah. Like there was this YouTube video that went viral, someone like spitting in a bur uh, their pizza. And then anyway, they, they changed their marketing. They said, our pizza sucks and we're going to do better. Since then they've been on a tear. 
and it's difficult sometimes when like your business is slowly eroding you have to say mm, we could either keep it up and it's just keep keep eroding or we could do something like really drastic i think baseball's at this precipice where like their viewership is old they're gonna get in a really big issue with the players i think everyone's too greedy and no one wants to take a temporary hit to make some necessary changes and instead, they're just like, everything's fine, everything's, no, I think you need to, they're, they are making some changes, I'll give them that, that's good, but I think they need to be a little more proactive and not keep waiting for shit to, no, to hit no. the fans. Let's Do you guys about, know let's talk about the world today, the world today, hmm. people are on their phones all the time, people are, their, their attention spans are much shorter. Baseball's a very, I love baseball, I'll be very clear, I love baseball. Have you seen the movie Baseball? Yes, I so have. we yeah. just rewatch it. So good. Yeah. It's so, so good. good. It's just uh, the extension span can be measured in microsection right. seconds. This so is how is baseball going to survive if they don't change? Because it's not built for today's society. They have to make it more entertainment. It's about more action, more things. I, yeah, I love the fact you see Tatis, you know, doing a ma major bat flip and pissing everybody off. You know, that, that's entertaining. Yeah, and that's what they got to focus more on. Is what they're going to do to bring in more young viewers to, yes. to watch that, that that league and and not. Like, to me, or they could be, so, again, I'll take it back to business, like, Amazon is a huge business, uh, but they collect data from their users. Shopify is, like, we'll be the anti-Amazon. We're still e-commerce, but we will be, like, the pro, like, baseball could position itself as, like, hey, we are not the digital first one. We're the ones about connecting, and it's all about the, like, I, one thing I love about baseball is you just talk during the whole thing. Like, to yeah, me, it's, it's like, I go to a baseball thing. game to chat with someone and hang out. And that's really what it is, because with like other things, I'm like, I can't not look for like basketball. Like you can score ten points in a minute. Yeah. Here you're like, you got lots of time to talk, and it, it they could position themselves as the hey, we're the disconnect sport. We're the sport where like you do not have to be on your phone to get the latest update. I don't know if it's a good decision, and maybe you position yourself as hey, people who do not want because listen, young people aren't watching baseball, so you could try to go against the stream. So let's try to convince young people like baseball. I don't know if you're going to. It, it, you could, but I think it's like maybe lean into your strengths and instead of trying to be something you're not. But I don't know. They have to choose a decision one way or the other. Yeah. I, I feel like right now they're in. You guys know the meme with just the dog sitting yes. at the table. It's, Everything's on fire and he's just looking around. This is like, fine. Everything's this is fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Yeah. That's baseball right now. That, that is baseball right yeah, now, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it, listen, it is like nothing's. This is my point. Nothing's terrible about baseball right now. It's not like they're going to go bankrupt next year, but. I literally think we are we are at the decision point. We need to they need to make a change. They do, they do, and I think they're recognizing one thing they have is lost stats. Uh, well, they gotta get more into fantasy, to betting, betting. Lean into the betting. Lean into the betting because you know it's it's at every day. Yeah. So they if they want people be interested they gotta take advantage of what they're fancy i think would be a big one also just because you said fancy and i agree because fancy is something where you get fans engaged and something where they have to pay attention yeah, they have to fancy, know the players they have to follow the fancy started in baseball it yeah did. but it, they it i guess they need to push for it to be a, a, a big thing because i, I feel like it might have started there but it's definitely not still the biggest i yeah. think the big things like but even fancy like fantasy people like to me the big one is and this might not be a good it's like the daily fantasy Yep. Because that's like the, you want to, every product now, it's not just good enough that people like you. You need to be addicted to the product. And Daily Fantasy is like, let's find those gambling addicts who just need their next hit. And baseball, you can get a hit every day because there's, whatever, 10 games a day or whatever. And like, I'm not saying this is who they should be going after, but like, 
Yeah, daily fantasy baseball. Let's go after we, people with serious addiction. Problems. Yeah, <laughs> I, this is unfortunately it's an untapped market. <laughs> unfortunately, that's the business proposition of a lot of tech companies. It's like, how can we make people addicted to our phones? Well, the 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 what's it called? The freemium gaming episode of South Park is essentially that whole thing broken down. It's, yeah, it's literally that is all it is. It's like we that's how they make money. But anyway, yeah. Um. I feel like we've gone way off track from our talk way about football. I know. But, we, um, we had a topic, and then we ended up just talking. <laughs> just talking. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you guys got any other quick hits? Because I got one other thing to maybe talk about. Sure. Um, the one other thing is, um, I, I guess this is a little bit older now, but it was something that's uh, taken place since the last episode. The death of Chadwick Boseman was one which oh, I yeah. found is really... I'm trying to think if there was a... a so I guess celebrity death that I've been as surprised or taken off guard at by well, I, as, as I, I this think one. There's other ones that have been just as surprising. You know, Jim Belushi comes to mind right off the top of my head. Oh, that's Before our time. time. The, difference, yeah. the difference I find here. If not Jim, it was. Sorry, Nobody, Jim. no, I think people were much happier. Yeah, they took the wrong <laughs> Belushi. <laughs> Sorry. By the way, you know, he's got a, a new series on growing pot. Right now, I'm sure it's terrible. It's, it's supposed <laughs> to be terrible, but it's interesting that he's quit acting. He's now has a farm which he grows marijuana. But it's turned, turned, turned into a reality show. Exactly. That's what. That's it. It's not that he he like I would respect him if he said, "Hey, I, I quit acting and went and grew far, pot." That I'd respect. And then turned it into a reality. Now I lost all respect. It's I like know. if you want to do something, just do it. You don't have to make I a know. show about it. It was wrong, Belushi. Sorry, but my point was, in today's day and age, with so much information. I find it surprising that, you know, he's dying and no one knows anything about it all until it just, it felt like it just came out of the blue. Yeah. And most things today... And someone, someone as big as he is, who's... Doesn't uh, come out of the blue. Was they a find their star illness, they've, they've been in accidents, whatever it is. That's what I found very strange. Like, what? This has been a long time coming and just no... Just out of the blue. I felt that, that's what I felt was very different about that because most things I hear are, yeah, the person's had... Whatever it is going on, and it just uh, caught me up by surprise. Yeah, I was, um, I was, also, I was really upset by that one. Also, it was just something where I thought he had a lot, lot left in his career, yeah. and we there was a lot to see that he could have provided. And I guess the other one, a recent one that came to mind, is the the picture from Miami Fernandez. Yeah, that was see that was a freak accident. That was a freak accident. Whereas this accident. was just something that like apparently yes. was common. Freak with. accident. Who would have thought that combining cocaine and high speed boats would at have night. led to anything at negative? Night. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But yeah, that one definitely caught me off guard. Definitely not cocaine sure. users. Yeah, that was that was that one caught me. I will say I I'm not on Facebook very much anymore, and but I think I was on Facebook and like a month before he died, there was like someone spreading like. Fans shocked to see Chadwick Boseman looks terrible. And I just thought it was like um, celebrity, celebrity gossip. gossip, like where it's like this person without makeup on or whatever. Um, but yeah, when I heard that, I was like, oh shit! I guess he really was not doing well. Yeah, you know, I was a big fan of his before. Uh, Forty Two, baby. That was yeah, great. Forty Two was a great movie. So good. Now, man, man who did? So he played Jackie Robinson. Yep. yep. He played with uh, who's the other historian? Thurgood Marshall. Thurgood Marshall. I just finished watching that movie last he, week. Who else? He had other really good ones too. I know. I can't think of them off the top of my head. I can't right think of them off the top. He played a lot of historical characters and played them very well. Yeah. There's another one that I'm really thinking of. I know. Was, it was. Uh, I feel like it was before Forty Two. Right before. Yeah. He was like. Yeah. He. Very iconic. 
the the most iconic black actor of the last ten years, I would say. Yeah, sure. we're not talking. Denzel. Yeah, I mean he's not Denzel. Yeah, Denzel. I was talking about there's someone else. I was like Denzel. Peak Denzel. I was like, oh my god, he had he just a so string good. of hits. He was yeah. so good. Everything he, he touched. It. Yeah. And now I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I still, I, I also, because Denzel's also now doing like directing as well as acting. Yeah, like nice. when he, he he directed and started in Fences, I think, yep. which he was amazing in that too. He I was think, really good. I got to when I watched that movie. That movie was basically a play on on. It, it was from it didn't a play. Feel like a movie when I watched it. No, he it was a very straight adaptation. From it was play. very straight. It was um, back to back to Bozeman. Bozeman, uh, yeah, it caught me by surprise, and I think he had a, a fantastic future as an actor that can maybe make an impact. And I think Hollywood today is looking for more minorities to, you know, lead, you know, lean in to make movies, whether it's Asians or African Americans, and I think he was one of the, one of the bright young stars today. Yeah, yeah so I played James Brown. James yeah, Brown, Brown. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. Yeah. He was going to. He was one of the most bankable stars and yep. one of the more talented guys, and just. I, I think there's going to be a lot of discussion of what could have been with 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 him for a while and yeah I don't know I, I don't know what else to say on this one but yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you guys got any other quick hits? no? alright let's move on to Jam Session Jam now, Session Jam Session for this week we have chosen a classic album I think this is the first time we've chosen a classic album for Jam Session um, and it is an album that I think all three of us have a pretty strong relationship to and I think for Josh and I, our relationship to it comes from, in many ways, it comes from me. Do you want to do you want to talk about? I got it from you, Dad. I got I, it from uh, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah well, in, 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 we're talking about Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, which is without question their best album, I think. Yes. And one of the greatest albums of all time. And I, I, when you guys called me and said, "Can you guys, you know, can you guys, can you pick an album?" I started thinking back about what albums I wanted to pick, you know. And I thought a lot of albums with a lot of great songs. You know, I was thinking, you know, I mentioned I love Nirvana and Neverland and stuff like that. And I was thinking about Tame Impala had some great stuff recently. And I started thinking about U2 and, and a lot of and Hot Chili Peppers have had some great albums. But I think about an album that's like from start to finish. Tells a story. Tells has a story. A through line. fantastic. Yeah. And it's like, you can't just stop listening to one song. You have to sort of listen to the whole album. It's a commit. You, you, you commit to the whole experience. Yeah, so the, the only album that's really done that for me from start to finish it is Dark Side of the Moon. I mean, I feel like when I start it, I have to start listening to the whole thing because it just feels like it goes from one to the other seamlessly and it's just such a fantastic album. And, you know... And, and not just musically, thematically, it flows beautifully. The ideas that are expressed, it ties it all together. Um, and and in, in terms of talking about, you know, our relationship with it, you used to play this in the car... All the time. When when we were little kids, we, we've been... I've been listening to this album... Since before I had any choice in music, before I had tasted music. So for those who don't know, Michael, he still has it here, but like he had, what are the two Pink Floyd albums? I've got, I've got five Pink Floyd albums. Oh, so on the yeah. wall, he made, he made some, some art from Pink Floyd albums. So Michael, can you tell them? Yeah. Um. So the the I decided. Um. I'm I'm into owning records, and that started with I was in university, and someone was selling records, and. The first record I ever bought was a copy of Dark Side of the Moon because I wanted to own a copy of it. I really just, I've always wanted to own a copy of it physically that's my own. Um, and since then, I, I've purchased also uh, Animals, Wish You Were Here, The Wall, and Metal by them. Um, and I have those framed on 
two different posters and dad and I we worked on the one for the wall yep. together because um, we did that after we went to see Roger Waters perform the wall live at the AC's amazing concert, concert. You but know, I'm um, not a big fan of him but his music yeah. is just unbelievable and he's it was a great concert it, it was, was an amazing great. performance but the one of Dark Side of the Moon um, is backed by the poster that comes with the album and when I when I lived at home that poster and that album was what was above my bed. I slept under a copy of Dark Side of the yeah. Moon for like a, a eight years or something. So it, it's just an amazing album. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny when I was looking into it, you know, first of all, you know, that, that album has, it's hard to judge today how long things are in top 100 sales because things are different today. Oh, but it's been in the top. But it's in the top, two, if you look at the Billboard 200, it was on the top. 200 list for 96 weeks. I think it's 96, 94 weeks. I thought it was more. Years. I thought it was... 18 years. It was 18 years of the top 200. Yeah. Which is crazy. That's a lot more than 96 weeks. 96 weeks is less than two years. 96... Months. Months. Sorry, I said... Would be... Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Months. Months. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was at some part. point in there because yeah. people find it and it doesn't matter when they find it. At some point, someone's going to find it that's going to have a connection with yeah. it because it really is that type of... It's, it, the album's great. I hate to say it. Even the artwork. I have it. I, it's one of the most iconic pieces of music sure. artwork you know, ever. You know, I told someone we were going to talk about Dark Side and they said, is that the Prism album? I said, yeah, that's the Prism. <laughs> because they don't sometimes remember the name of the artist or the name of the album, but they know that there's a picture of a black. Oh, yeah. With a, with a Prism on it. It's just, everything's... Well, I was going to say, I don't know about you guys, at university, like the poster sale, yeah. like the number, so the top five most popular posters, this will lead into later, were Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And two pointing the guns. Um, the prism. Yeah. Then there's some others, but the other one I remember is there's one where it's like a bunch of women yeah. who are naked, but they have uh, the album paint, artworks the on the album print. artworks for each of the Pink Floyd albums painted on them. Yeah. And they're like saved by a pool or something. Yeah. I remember that one a lot. Yeah, I think it's um I think it's Dark Side, Wish You Were Here, The Wall, Animals, and for some reason Adam Hart Mother, which is not as good of an album. It's got an interesting artwork, but it's not as good of an album. Anyway, so the, but the music's great. The music's great. The music's great, and uh, I was surprised to find that Alan Parsons was the actual. Uh, he was engineer on it. Engineer on yeah. it. Yeah. Which I didn't know because you know I love Alan. Parsons. That's that. another album I was thinking about because I love. What serious by him? Well, I Robot. I think it's an album, uh, start to finish, is another yeah. fantastic album. It's an Alan Parsons project. I, I, I personally, for Alan Parsons, I prefer Tales of Mystery and Imagination, but yeah, I, I understand. And and yeah, this was this was before Alan Parsons' project. He was not Alan Parsons yet. Oh. And I think for him, this is one of these things where he just happened to be in the right place at the right time. I think one of the first albums he ever worked on was a was a Beatles album, was the first album that he engineered. Yeah. And then this was, I think, one of the first ones they was lead engineer on. And he just, just being like one of the guys that worked at Abbey Road Studio, he just, the best guys in, uh, in Britain just went through his studio Absolutely. and he got to work with all the most talented people on the planet. But you, no. can, it's just, you can hear his... Yeah. You know, that album and him sort of changed music a bit in terms of using synthesizers or different machines to try and create different sounds and stuff like that. Instead of just a straight guitar, 
I was going to try and add in something that Michael's going to hate. I was going to say, it's a lot like that Malcolm Gladwell book. I don't know, Michael hates <laughs> I've never understood why Michael hates Malcolm Gladwell. He's amazing. I, you I, have to agree with him because sometimes you feel like he's stretching us. I feel stretch. like so often he comes to his conclusion and then finds a way to... I agree. Yeah. But, I do but, agree. But he tells but I think... a great story. Yes. And it's interesting and it makes you think. And you might not agree with him. I think he's absolutely amazing. I think in a lot of things, if you're doing data-based work, the validity of your conclusion is very important to the value of your work, if you're doing data-based That's work. That's fair, but the one thing I like, one, he asks questions that some people aren't, and even if I disagree with his conclusion, I think it makes me think a little more. So like one of his, I'll just give you an example, one of his things is like, why, are any, why is anyone donating uh, to big universities, yeah, like exactly. Harvard? Yeah, exactly. Why should, well, you shouldn't even allow it. It should be taxed because they have enough money. It should be going small. Harvard can, especially. Yeah. How much is their endowment I know, You can disagree with that. You can say, well, I want to give. It doesn't matter. I think the best, I think it does the most good, whatever. You can think whatever you want, but it's like, I'm, I'm happy he's at least talking about it, saying things that sometimes are controversial, sometimes I disagree with, but at least he's doing work and telling a good story. But he says, and I think it's in Outliers, where he says, like, a lot of these people, it's like, the key to being an amazing person is being super talented. That's one. But two, is just being in the right place. Like, you would be amazed at how many people like, Opportunity just, plus ability. Yeah. Where it was like, Bill Gates was like, he just happened to be at the one school in all of Washington State that was like the first one to get computers. Yeah. Like, that's like, good luck. Doesn't make him not super talented, but it's like, both of those. Like, Alan Parsons, like, the Beatles and this, like... Super talented, but it's like, yeah, definitely. If he was like, maybe he was born like, or he lived like a couple blocks away, it's like, yeah, it doesn't meet yeah. the right people, doesn't get the same job. Well, if it, there's a, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and Malcolm Gladwell's got a podcast called Revisionist History. I know, I listen to. And, uh, and he has very, an episode where he yeah. talks about why do like the president of Nike give money to MIT or Stanford or these other schools yeah. where the money doesn't do very much except make them richer, where you can put into a smaller school. And it actually does impact them because these smaller schools can't attract talent unless they actually have money for whether or not it's their accommodations, their education, even food, whatever it is. Yeah, I'll make a quick note now and then we'll go back to uh, uh, Dark Side. But, uh, yeah. like, again, I, we were talking about Dark Side. There, could be, there could be reasonable disagreement on, like, I do agree that, like, Harvard doesn't need it. But then there's also the whole point of, like, I, there's one guy, like, who says, like, we, like, why are these big schools not increasing? Um, like the number of people that go there like Harvard takes has a 98% decline rate and people some people don't even try to go because they know they won't even go like shouldn't they be using technology to increase the number so that we can have more people educated by the best people in the world I do think some of these schools yeah it make a big difference at like second Methodist of Mississippi but maybe we don't need this many universities in the US there's too many universities you need like the Canadian system where it's like I think almost every university in Canada is very, is good, but there's nothing that's like super, super elite, but they all have their specialty. Like, do you want to go psychology? This one. Does, you know. does Brock really bring it? <laughs> actually, Brock, I know everyone jokes about that, I actually think they have a good psychology department. Like, yeah. Guelph. I don't think it's anything special for their a business. agriculture, though, is, is not... Guelph? Guelph has the best agriculture and veterinary. It's like literally one of the, the best in North America. Yeah. But if you go for anything else, it's just a very, like, average-ish school. Like each school, Waterloo, Ryerson's the best for engineering. Also. You go for yeah. childhood education. I don't really think Waterloo's anything. <laughs> like that's my it's point. It's like it's a good system where it's like every school's good. You're gonna get a good education everywhere, and then just specialize. And you don't need a thousand schools because most schools are just gonna be mediocre. Consolidation 
and then use technology to leverage up. So I, I understand and I do agree like Harvard doesn't need it, but like if Harvard was using it better, maybe it would be better. I guess, it. you know, like a lot of the American society, being the best is really important. So instead of like they insist we want to have a lot of really good schools, the United States wants to have the best. Yeah. When it's MIT, Stanford, you know, I feel like that's built into the American mentality. It is built into the American mentality. And yeah, they got a whole bunch of average schools, a whole bunch of crappy schools. But they do, you, there's no question, they have the best schools in the yeah. world. This guy says it's a luxury brand. It's not even like, yeah. it's literally, and there is even like a, uh, what is it? Um, uh, Nobel in economics even wrote, like, most of university, what you get is not, it's not what you actually learn there. It Connections? Is, not even the connections. It's not the connections. Nothing you gain. It's literally just saying, I went to Harvard. I have a percent. Yeah, I have a piece of paper. If Harvard says you're smart enough, it's good enough. Which is why like people that lie about it do just as well as people that actually went to the school. It literally, there's very little research. Like, it's hard to prove that university actually adds anything. If you're already smart, Harvard just says, like they said, this guy is actually smart. So that's still a uh, an a authoritative stamp yeah. of, of... If I graduate last at Harvard... I graduate, I graduate Harvard. Harvard. Exactly. <laughs> what do they call someone who finishes, who graduates last out of med school? A doctor. doctor. Right. I mean, not a not as much anymore because nowadays there's a lot of yeah. a lot more competition. So I'm just saying, it, it, I, I do. We're, we're going to Malcolm Gladwell, but let's go back to dark side. Yeah. yeah. I'm okay. I'll, I'll I'll try and guide us through. I'm I'm probably just going to go <laughs> step by step through here. Um, but let, let's start with I'm going to talk about Speak to Me and Breathe as separate yeah. tracks. So Speak to Me on its own, which is just the various you know effects that lead in with that little heartbeat in the background leading into breathe is sets the stage really nicely because you bring in all the elements from the different tracks and you have all this insanity craziness around it but that constant heartbeat in the middle just gives you sort of unchanging grounding feeling leading into that you know yell not i'm not a yell but that singing really big passionate moment that leads into the beginning of Breathe and I think it's also interestingly enough that that track is credited to Nick Mason the drummer I think that's might be one of his only writing tracks on the album I didn't I, even know who the drummer was he's a he's a good drummer I have no doubt but that's like my point he's, like, he, I think of the group he's probably you know the least special of the group because yeah. Roger Waters David Gilmore Richard Wright and Sid Barrett also all special level talents. Nick Mason was was good, definitely really good, but he's not. You know, that one goes. Are there many gushing. bands though where you actually know the drummer's name? Okay, I'm I'm a fan of a lot of progressive rock bands you, where that. But you also case. play drums. Yeah. So I think but, you, okay. Like, and people know John bands. Bonham. People know Neil Peart. Oh yeah, for sure. Like legendary. But I'm saying like for most, who is the bassist or the drummer the least well known? I think drummer is probably the least well known for most bands, but oh, oh like. I, I feel like when you've got those sorts of guys, I mean, like, even when you go into, like, Genesis Phil Collins, when, before he became the singer, when he was just the drummer, he was an amazingly talented drummer. Yeah. That era of, of Genesis, before he be, well, even also, like, the first two albums where he was a singer, his drumming was unbelievable. He, I feel like once they, it became Phil Collins' band, though, and he felt comfortable in that role, he kind of pushed off from the drum and stuff Question the on, is there any drumming in Speak to Me or Breathe? Uh, uh, in Breathe there is in Speak to Me there's not in Speak to Me I guess unless of the heartbeat I don't know if that was made with a bass drum or with a synthesized track I'm guessing synthesized track on the uh, uh, 
AKS, but to, I'm not to sure. To me, the big thing is it, like, there's songs that are just melodically really good and get you wanting to dance. Like, neither, neither of these are that. Yeah. What makes, I think, this whole album special, but especially these two, with how it starts, is it just, it gets your blood pumping and it just puts me in like an emotional mind frame where yeah. I'm like ready I'm, I'm opening myself up to some special music yeah and so I don't know why that those first two really like like I don't want to say it's like meditative but it's like I think it is the, I think yeah. it really is because like I was saying you have this chaos this constant heartbeat and then when breathe comes in it's really one of the most relaxing yep. peaceful serene songs and yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's how it sets it up that this, okay, we got some chaos, yeah. craziness going on. Well, the world then, is crazy. And the world's crazy. And then, and then the whole album's supposed to talk about insanity, you know, problems in the world, problems with people. And, but there's a, a pause where it's like just melodic and just gets you sort of into the music kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I also just like, just talk about what Breathe is, is about as it's about... Oh, enjoying the moment, being in the moment, simple pleasures, but just being in it, just breathe in, breathe in the air and don't be afraid to care. It's like exactly. how you open, it's just, the world might be crazy, but just, you're here, enjoy it. And I, I think as much as in many ways it's a very simple song, there are, are, like one part of it, particularly in terms of how this song is made, that I think is really, really cool, um, which is those like swelling sounds in the background that don't sound like a synth or a guitar, but they just sort of are sustaining there. That was done with uh, what's called a lap steel guitar, which is just like a strings uh, over uh, pickups that you sit on your lap and you strum them this way, just like a keyboard almost. And then in order to make it, to get rid of that attack that you'd have that make would sound like a guitar, the initial part of it is cut out and the volume swells in using a control pedal so you just have this solidly sustained beautiful perfect tone that swells in and out creates the what in later years would be done with a synthesizer but it's just really clever ways to create sounds that I, I think a lot of this is is how would you make something like that in those days no one had done something how do you you need to come up with a creative solution well, and they did and I think I, just yesterday I was playing some Beach Boys um, love the Beach Boys. Yeah, and it, like I always think this like is mu some music like listen all music, it's like when it's very famous it's, it's probably people like the music, but art like painted art, oftentimes the one that is most famous or um, sells for the most, it's not always the ones that are the most visually appealing. It's often the ones that were like most influential. Yeah, and like I do think there's like this interesting time where like the Beatles did this. The Beach Boys did this, um, Pink Floyd, where it's like creating new sounds with new technologies and new ways of looking at how do we make music. Be Beach Boys did a lot of stuff like Beach that in, in the and mid the Beatles 60s. did too. And that's my Beatles point. It's like this is like it's great music, but it's also like changed music um, in a lot of interesting ways from the the type of sound that people use. Yeah, um, and. If you listen not just to that, but like to just the physical quality of audio that came at around this time, just things sound so much more pristine and clear and crystal, and the way that they constructed sounds. I'm, as someone who makes music, stuff like this probably interests me more than you guys, but stuff where I'm just like, 
these guys really had to think through this and solve these problems. Um, you guys want to move on to the next track, On the sure. Run? So On the uh, Run is, pro- I think for probably a lot of people, and also for me, probably the, the weakest part of the album. Any, any comment on that from you no. two? Yeah, there has to be a weakest part. Yeah, there has to be a weakest, but I guess that's why I I still like this song. I really like this song, but I just want to to, to, I just want to set the stage first because I'm going to bring it around. And I I agree. If you can judge, if you say, "Hey, that's your weakest song," and you're like, "Oh, that's pretty good," then you've got a you've got a great album. Well, it's for me. What's so amazing about this track is the entire, pretty much every part of this, literally nearly every part of this, except for like one or two things, was all made with a single synthesizer single instrument made nearly all the sounds the hi-hats the chords everything except for the explosion sound and the the running back and forth Mm. and the laughter all of that is all made with a single instrument which now has created like this aura around this instrument it is it is a really great uh it is people think it's the EMS Synthy VCS, but it's actually an EMS Synthy AKS. Oh, um, oh that makes sense. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, not I, VCS, always, I always thought it was the ES, no. not the AKS or the DES. I'm so glad you cleared it up for me. It, yeah. they're, they're pretty much nearly the same thing, but one of them has a touch keyboard, which is just like you, it, there's no like press in, it's just like a sensor that you uh, touch, and so it, it was something you could play rather than just program. Um, but all that was made with this instrument, and they're, they're really uh, amazing things. Um, I, I'm trying to think if any other individual track has really just like created an aura around an instrument in this way, um, in the in the synth world, obviously not for normal people. Um, yeah, I was gonna say a world that we are not a part of. Yeah, yeah, we're the normal um, people here. Yeah. But but in are you a normal conti- person, Josh? I'm a normal person. I was abnormal, <laughs> but I'm closer to normal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just talk about what what like what it addresses thematically. It's really about just. Again, the, like the speed of the world that we live in with travel and the way that things move, everything is hectic and you have to go, 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 and how that... It's it's a good thing that since then everyone's really calmed down and life's gotten back to normal. Well, I, I think in many ways that it's, it's become even, even more a thing about the world, obviously, than it was then, but I think that means that... I mean, great art a- applies to the time, but also it's just means something eternally because it says something about the human experience okay um that brings us into what i what might be the best track on the album time time's oh. the one that made the most impact on me when yeah. i was when it first came out that's the one that really the words are just amazing yeah i, I think it's probably the, the yeah. best lyrics they've ever written in some such of the best good words ever. i love the words <laughs> i have got the best words <laughs> the, the most <laughs> the best words the most words no yeah. i agree the the lyrics are yeah especially meaningful I think yes yeah I mean it really makes you just think about life and you don't have too much and mortality and purpose I mean there's like some lines here that I I just want to um let me find I don't want to read all of them out that are here there's there's one in particular for me oh what and then one day you find yeah ten years have got behind you no one told Told you you when to run run. you missed the starting gun so that line was like yeah. And I think every person thinks about that. You know, they yeah. think about, oh my God, like there's so much 
Student life, I gotta get off my ass and do stuff. Wait, like, you know. Yeah, and the, the line immediately following that also is so you this run and you run to catch up with the sun, but it's sinking, sinking, racing around to come up behind you That's again. That's the one that gets me. The sun, I, I know, the sun is the same in a relative way, but you're older, shorter of breath, one and day, one like, day closer, closer to, to death. death. That's that, the one that gets me. Though, that, that pair of lines there yeah, is yeah. like in, in the greatest lines. In, in a song ever, ever. It's so good and that, I think that uh, that's as it's written about the, the whole album it just like it just catches you it catches yeah. you about thinking about life and, and you and, and, and time yeah, yeah it's it's yeah I mean one, when, one when you songs. listen to music normally or like well it's funny you should say that when I was when I was 20s 30s and stuff like that a lot of people listen to music at night or when you're in the car and stuff like that you know, quite honestly, today with so many things where it's a podcast or TV or you can get stuff on your phone, I really listen to music just when I want, you know, at night. I just want just sure. my mind to be still, and uh, I don't listen to music nearly as much as I used to. And I just want, to, by the way, thank you guys because, you know, the only way you could find out music before was listening to radio. Now, thanks to you guys, I hear all kinds of stuff today that I wouldn't listen to before. Whether it's you know, Queen of Stone Ages, Tim Tim Impala. Yeah. you know Arctic Monkeys whatever it is you know stuff I like but I would not have been but it's, whatever it's it there's more of a democratization of the music discovery process before there was DJs and yep. they controlled exactly whoever was your local DJs and the radios that you, the stations that you listen to they controlled your music diet for what you found Right. That or some random guy who recommended something to you. Someone was just like, oh, you gotta listen. Yeah, but that even still, it. someone recommends it, you then still have to say, like, let's say it's something rare. Then you'd have to go into a store, find that specific song yeah, right. or that album. It's like, it was quite the process. <laughs> yeah. Now it's, now you can just go, I go onto forums, I, I talk to people about just like, oh, you guys, you guys are talking about this album, like... If I like these sort of bands, is this something that you think I'd be into? And they'll say, yeah, give it a shot. See, and I, can I don't know. It. You do. I, I asked Michael. I'm, so I love Spotify. I love Spotify. I love Spotify. And I use the Weekly Discover and the GoTo Radio fun yep. features a lot. Michael doesn't. So I was like, you should try it. And again, I didn't think they were all going to be hit. But the more you use it, the better it gets at recommending what you like to listen it's to. It's learning about you. I know. Oh, man. It's Well, the problem I don't like, what I don't like about it is... I love a lot of current music, but I also love, like older music. So when I try to use those things to try and find music for me. It tends to find stuff that's not new stuff for me. It's older stuff that's before. I want to find uh, stuff today that I haven't heard before that I want to explore and hear to see if, hey, I've never heard this, you know, it's the weekend or whatever it is. I just want to hear stuff that... I think it would be dope if you could kind of set, like... Parameters. Parameters, yeah. Right. I mean, I, I'm a big... Per I mean, not to go too off topic, but... Mike and I have talked about this a lot with Netflix, where it used to be you could rate how many stars. Yep. One to five. And, and now it's, it's just down. thumbs up or down. Right. And the difference is, do you want more like more data, more granular data, or do you want higher compliance? Because the logic was fewer people were actually giving a star rating, yep. so people will more easily give a thumbs up or thumbs down. So even though it's not as granular... And you get me, more data and it's just more yeah, and useful. He, and I will say, the best process is probably no process, which is like, it just recommends. You listen... Yep. You don't have to do filters. I would do the filters, but I'm sure lots of people would be like, this is too fucking confusing, I'm out. Well, yeah. you know what, what I, I find best for me is I, I make playlists on Spotify, and it based on like what I suggest do, at the end, there's suggestions, so you know, what I'll, to add to the I'll listen to those suggestions, yeah. and a lot of them are just, never heard them before, sounds fantastic, just add to the playlist and keep yeah. going down that, scrolling down that. Yeah. That's usually how I find new music today. I, I love Spotify and I that's how I because I don't have the time to go on forums 
and talk to people. And I don't, I'm not as into it as Michael where he's like, listen, I just like, I go for runs. So I listen to music when I run and, um, and I don't drive very often anymore, but sometimes now when I drive actually now it's all podcasts. So I'd say the only time really I listen to music is we have people over, I put someone in the background, but that's like the same playlist every time called dinner party music. Yep. Which is why I want to name a band Dinner Party Music, because I'm always like, hey Siri, play Dinner Party Music. <laughs> um, yeah. She's always listening. I, always always listening. And, yeah, they're, by the way, they actually are, when we said they're always getting smarter, slight tangent, ESPN trade analyzer thing. Yeah. Oh, terrible. 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 I horrible. checked again yesterday, less terrible. It was yeah. so bad, but it was like, I looked at it, I was like, that one's bad. That one's kind of okay, actually. I'm like, it's learning. It's learning. It's learning. It's learning. It's getting yeah. back to the dark, yeah. dark side. Um, I've just got one more thing to say about time, which is the opening of time has all of those alarms and everything. Yep. Oh, yeah. That was Alan Parsons. That was yeah. not any of the guys. That was that. Alan Parsons. He had, it wasn't like he made that for the album. He just had that already. He had done a quadraphonic oh, yeah. audio <laughs> test that involves a whole bunch of clocks, and he brought it to them. He's like, what do you guys think about this thing? And they're just like... Fuck yeah, so buddy. Good. It's perfect. It's, it's exactly what honestly, we need to set the tone. I think a lot tone. of things like this are like, it's about like tension and then the release of tension, which mm-hmm. like, and to me it like, Aaron is very tense when there's like parts in Tame Impala or this where there's like lots of yeah. stuff going on and it's layered on top and it is tense, but to me it's like, and then when it opens up to boom, it's like, oh, it just feels so... Again, that's one reason why this album is so amazing. Know, For several so times, it causes like a... Tense, chaotic session followed by release a, a and release. just an exhale. Just yeah, exactly. Can... It's it literally is a re- re- reprise from from yeah. the chaotic world. Yeah. It feels like. Um, okay. Uh, so next, uh, great kicking in the sky, which in- incredible vocal performance. Yeah. Now in the original version of the song, there was no vocal at all. Really. It was it was um, just a spoken word piece where they read like passages from the Bible over it because. Dark Side of the Moon was originally a live performance show right. that, they, that they did. Um, so a lot of this was come up with when they're trying to convert it to a thing. And Alan Parsons said, why don't we skip that and we just put a vocal on it? And he found the person that did it as well. So he, Amazing. And I think probably, is, is this in the conversation for the greatest vocal performance on a rock song? Absolutely. What else has that person done? Nothing. 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 Yeah. Uh, the more I hear it, I'm more like, is this just an Alan Parsons album? You're like, he found, he did this part. He found the. It is. Yeah. He, well, he, he, it was produced by Pink Floyd, and obviously the songs were all written before yeah, he so got the there. But in, if I remember correctly, this stuff was done in tours for a couple of years before they said to take it to the studio. Yeah, it was. Um, but Alan Parsons, when they sort of said, okay, here's all your great stuff, here's what we're going to do to make it sound. Yeah, he helped take it from. Yeah, it was a live stage show of these ten songs, and right. they and he found a way to take it from, you know, okay, this is this song, this is this song, and helped create, you know, focus it into this into yeah. this album, which is is way beyond the usual responsibilities of an engineer. Usually, they're just like, okay, I'll help you record this, I'll help you set up this. He went way beyond that, and he like if you hear him talk about, it, he was like nervous about bringing all of his suggestions, but pretty much all of them made it in. Because he he would step beyond, and I think that was probably one of the big things that helped him say, "Hey, I could maybe just do this, me and and a friend, and have my own thing, and probably help contribute to making Alan Parsons' project a real thing." Yeah. But um, Great Kicking the Sky, awesome vocal. Um, 
I, I think it's got to be in there with the greatest vocal just tracks ever. If you had like an isolated track then heard it, it was awesome. Um, then second half of the album starts with Money, which is probably one of the other big tracks for most people. Um, I love this song so much. Yeah. It is so cool. Um, and it, it's in many ways, I'm going to say this just about like the, the mixing of the album in general. It's a way simpler mix than you'd actually think. It's usually just bass and drum center, vocal center, guitar off to left side, uh, keyboards off to right, and that's it. And like anything that's effect is just thrown in somewhere, but it's a really simple mix. Hey, and Josh, it works. It's very detailed in the songs, aren't it? Okay, this is this is an album I've listened to. How many times do you think I've listened to this album in my life to like have noticed all the things? Yeah. Um, no, I've listened to a lot, but that's my point. It's like the level of I'm like we had one other album, and he was like, "What do you think?" I was like, "Yeah, it was dope." It was like that was like my my feeling. I, I, I loved it. But he's like, like, "Okay, but what do you think about the grittiness of this?" Effect? I don't I don't know. I was just like, I it's for, like for me, it's a feel. It's how but, does it make me feel? But I I really think you you listen to a lot of mixes today, and there's like. 50,000 things going on. This one, the core set of it is just really simple tracks. Yeah. And just, you have the right music, you have the right guys playing the right stuff. You don't need more than that. You can spruce it up with, with you know, the tremolo effect guitar and the and I really love the, the the sounds of the, like, the cash register and everything. Because the way, it would have been really complicated to get sampled that matches up perfectly in sync with the song, which they didn't know that it would. They faded it out and they faded it back in later on when they were recording it and just happened that they were just so on time with it, perfectly back in sync when they came back. Um, but just talking about thematically, it's about you know capitalism as a driving force of society, but not in a good way. We talk, it, it talks about you, know, you, you contrast moral activities with you know, capitalist ones, like lines with, don't give me that do-goody-good bullshit when we're talking, when you're talking about money, don't give me that. You well, know? yeah, I mean, not the same, but like the wall has similar, um, I think anti-capitalist. Yeah, it, it does have some, some stuff with that. And, and one other line, money, so they say, is the root of all evil today. But if you ask for a raise, it's no surprise that they're giving that away. Obviously, like, it, it's the root of all evil, but at the same time, everyone's hoarding it for themselves. It's, it drives society, but doesn't mean that that's what's good for society. Um, yeah, but that's not the line I love, though. Yeah. It's, it's uh, money, it's a crime. Share it fairly, fairly, but don't, don't take, take a slice, slice of my pie. Yeah. I love that yeah. line. That's such a great line. Yeah, know. it's 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 a really great song, and the solo is awesome. Awesome. But first the sax solo, and then the guitar solo that comes in, and it, I, this is gonna be like another little musical technical thing. The entire song is in a really offbeat rhythm where it's seven eight, so it doesn't just go one two three four one. It's the last little bit is a little clipped, and like when you hear it repeat, except for the guitar solo, which switches to a solid eight eight. Which when you have that build up right into the guitar solo, then you just have a straight really. It's a, a great way to build up to that. Um, also, saxophone, fucking love the saxophone on this, and then leading into us and them, which also yeah. has great sax. I, I don't know why there's just great sax. Great yeah. sax. <laughs> Who doesn't love some great sax <laughs> in their life? If you haven't had great sax, you, you don't know what you're missing out exactly. on. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, Why'd you stay? The great sax. That's right. Um, yeah, us and them. Uh, I'm just going to talk about just the themes of this one. Tribalism is a driving force of things. You know, people separate their in-groups from their out-groups. Yep. And they say, this is these are the people I care about. Everyone else I don't care about. Yep. And it, it's a driving force between behind violence, which is what they talk about in the, in the first part. 
talking about racism, which they talk about in the second chorus and then sorry, the second verse, and then inequality, which they talk about in the third verse. But I think that's a really, really smart sort of observation that uh, you know people now talk about the ideas of in groups and out groups a little. I think a lot more than they did in you know the early '70s. But to say that that's a driving force behind way people react with each other is yeah. Oh. Very forward thinking. You know, just as I talked about, when this album came out, like what was going on in the mu music industry back then was really only talking about love mm. or war. Yeah. It wasn't really talking about whether it's, you know, money, tribalism, mental health. Mm. None of those topics were around right now. It's really basically we love each other and are happy songs or about anti-Vietnam songs. Yeah. It's really Even today, it though, like people do talk about that stuff, but it's still, I would classify 85 percent of songs it's like love it's got is a, yeah, love, love is got a new relationship love just broke up so angry mm. <laughs> not so yeah, much more anymore but, particularly with the arrival of rap there's a lot more talking about justices and and, yeah. and I, yeah. okay. I, uh, I think rap started that way and then it devolved into the bitches and hoes phase where it was all about i don't know the, the bitches and hoes talk has been around for quite a while Maybe, in but I, I think that it went like tupac told a story and I think yeah. lots of rappers told He did on some of his tracks. Yes. And on yeah. other of his hey, tracks, about how do you want it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I think today, you could say the same thing. There's lots of bitches and hoes ones, and there's lots of ones that talk about uh, injustices. And, and to me, it's, it's what is music? You want something where you can relate to. Where you, like, it wants to feel, you want to make someone feel special, like you're talking to them, but you need to talk to 100,000 people, 200,000 people, a million people who are listening to the song. But you want them to feel like, they wrote that song just for you. Like, I know, that's why people, like, when they get in a relationship or they break up or they're in love, that's why they listen to this music. Oh, it's like, it fits for me. And I do think there's, we have a better understanding of, like, these in-groups. Like, what are the problems you have, right? Maybe it's, you know, whatever it is, you grew up with a, in a rough household, and that's something you talk about. But I definitely think that, like, they were on to something way ahead of their times. But I was interested, Dad. So that's what music was like. What was... What was going on in the world at the time? Well, I mean, again, a lot was Vietnam War. Okay. And free love and talking about, uh, again, starting to talk about quality. Would that, uh, that still have been around in 72 or would that have already been on the decline? It's on the decline, but still there. And then, of course, uh, out, uh, a lot of political issues. And people actually got out on the street, unlike the last year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the people, you know, 2020, people were on the streets protesting, but. You know, there's at least 20 years people didn't really protest. But back in the, in the 60s, 70s, people were actually were trying to change the world a bit. Yeah. Uh, hadn't come to the tech industry and then the money, money, money kind of stuff. It was really about the world at that point. Um, so it, 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 it is, that's why a lot of the songs were very focused on really just two, two kind of themes. Really. And Mike, maybe you would know. They're British. So was there anything like, was it Margaret Thatcher? Thatcher wasn't around yet in 70s. I don't Three. Know. Not I not. feel like she was like seventy. Because money, money, money. That's what I think of with her. Yes, yeah. like that I, period. Because yeah. I think British politics. Thatcher was around, like started a little bit before Reagan, but was around the like they overlapped quite a bit those two. So I think that was those two together are like a uh, piece of the pod? Yeah, and really dictated the direction of the the Western world for a bit. So which... Way off topic here, but since you're talking about bitches and hose songs, <laughs> does what ass pussy sort of end up in a oh bitch and hose kind of song? Yes, but female but... empowerment. No, it's female empowerment. Female empowerment. So that's it's came across as like a bit of both. I couldn't figure. You know. I think I think that's 
the, the where it's coming from, where it's like, you go, like, right? Like, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, it felt like that. Yeah, it's it is it is, um, like definitely like you know a song that's dirty, like all those bitches and hoes ones that I keep saying. But it's like it's, I do think that there's a element of I'm sure women or I don't want to say women love it, but like I think people like it because it is like an empowering song. I think for some people. So it's funny when I when I. Cause I've seen the video for it too. <laughs> it's uh, it felt like this is women saying, "Hey, man, we're okay. This is where we're, yeah. we're." It's like not, no guys, you know, telling us what to do. We're women. We're gonna do what we want to do. And yeah. It's, it felt like it's a very kind of strange yes. lyrics and songs trying to talk about female empowerment. So this is that way. reminding me of that's it's Cardi B, right? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, no, it's not Cardi B. It's oh, uh, Minaj. Is it Nicki Minaj? I'm yeah. trying to remember. Or is it Cardi B? Cardi B. I have no clue. Okay, anyway. I, I, don't, I, don't, listen I, I don't listen to this. I don't listen to this. Why are you asking me? I'm you. So the reason I'm saying is so like back in university, one of my uh, one of my housemates, Hari, he loved Nicki Minaj, and there's one song, and he was always, oh, she's so deep. Like the lyrics they make, oh, you know, she's talking about all these injustices and female, and then you listen to the lyrics, and I'm sure some of them, but like the song he loved was called Bees in the Trap. And then all the lyrics were like, a bee's in the trap, bees, bees. I was like, there's nothing, there's, this is the most, there's nothing beyond this surface. But like, you know what? Who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm not reading it right. But yes, I think for that one, there is, that is the, the gist she was going for. That was what she was trying to get. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you, that song yeah. won't be around. People are going to be talking about it a year from now. People are still talking about Gotcha. Yeah, but the life cycle of music today is like, what song, we, what, it, so we talked before about who's like the anti-Rome or like the, you know, today's Bill Buckner, like, hmm. what music is still going to be in, in 40 years people still talking about that's produced in the last couple of years? Um, okay, Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick yeah. Lamar will be talked about for okay. a long time. That's one. I think Tame Paula has a good chance to be that way. I think Arcade Fire, except for their most recent album, they'll be talked about. Yeah. But not to the same degree. Probably not, but I feel like there'll still be That's what, in those. The, like, the problem you have today is there's, it's so easy to be out there as a musician. You can there's so much music out there. Take it's so yeah. easy to get yourself out and, and heard. Yeah. And there's so many songs out there and people producing so much. It, it's it's there's so much competition out there that what's gonna survive? Who knows what's yeah, gonna right. survive ten, five ten years from now? I, I have one that maybe this is just me, but I feel like is a hundred percent going to be talked about in four years. But. This is going to just show my Weird Al Yankovic. No, I'm not going to dispute that Weird Al is amazing, but I was going to say Radiohead. People are going to be talking about Radiohead. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I'm like, I don't think so, but we'll see. But I do agree with that, that like, I think that, you know, how many TV stations were there back in the day? Like, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, you did, and now the thing is, because of, because of, as we said, technology and all this, like, you do, like, things that, things had to be mass market. You couldn't have a song that appealed to ten, ten people in every city. It had to appeal to massive amounts. And now, you can literally make a documentary that if one person in every county in the U.S., like, watches it and is a huge fan, like, there's enough because it's distributed. So I think, I'm with you, where it's like, it's easier to make niche things that speak to sure. very small groups of people but don't, there's nothing that, like, like MASH. MASH was the biggest, I don't think there will ever be anything that is as big as the show, the finale of MASH, I think, at the all-time rating. Well, get nothing the phones will, close. 
Game of Thrones was a culture phenomenon. It was a culture phenomenon. I still Breaking think it was Bad, like, I feel like, it. was a... No, they, these are cultural phenomena. But even still, the viewership was like a third, a quarter. Like, we're not even close to match because... It, it was Cheers? Yep. Cheers? Cheers, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Seinfeld, maybe? Yeah, right. They're, they're think, it's, it's, there's so many... How many stations are out there? TV stations yeah. are out there. Networks are out there. Same Same stations. YouTube. People, some people just watch yes, YouTube. stream or they watch YouTube. Or the, it's like, it's crazy. And it's like, you do not need... A big audience. You can have 50,000 people who love your shit, and, and that's who you talk to. Yep. Yeah. All right. Wheel and back around. All right. Uh, next up. Um, we'll, we'll try and get through these last couple quickly, because we, we need to start moving on. But um, We do. Any Color You Like is, I think, the most underrated track on the album. It's maybe the most psychedelic, and uh, I'm going to skip over all of my music production stuff that I really wanted to talk about on that I one. I second emotion on that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I was the one who introduced it. It's not like I'm fighting the motion here. <laughs> um, the motion passes. Yes. Do we have quorum? We have quorum. Yeah, okay. Quorum. Um, uh, do we need to go to... Uh, what is it in Always Sunny that they always have? They have arbitration? Is that what yeah. they... Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's a great show. I yeah, love that. Um, so good. Brain Damage and then... I love Brain Damage. Brain Damage. Amazing. amazing song. Um... It always makes me think like, what is it, uh, Catch Train 2, where it's like, if you you're, really are crazy, do you know you're crazy? Yeah. And like, what is the definition of crazy? Like, crazy or not, is like... Only a sane man would want to stay in the war. Anyone who wants to get out of the war is clearly sane and therefore yes, cannot be told. That's Catch Train 2, but to me <laughs> it applies to today where it's like, what we define is like, how it differs from the norm. So it's like, if you ask someone a thousand years ago, like, oh... How do you live? Oh, we all live in boxes stacked on top of each other, and then we sit in our cars for wait, wait, our our electric courses mm. for thirty minutes to like get to a job we hate. Blah blah. They'd be like, "That's crazy," yeah. but like because everyone else does it, it's normal. Yeah. And like, if you want to like live out in nowhere and make organic fruits or whatever, like you're the weirdo, mm. right? If you're like, I want to live off the land. That, again, I know it's a little weird, but like to me, it just makes me think of like just want to be Jules. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to do that stuff. I I like my life, but it does make me think how what are there things that I think are normal, but I just but I actually don't want to do them, and I'm just doing them because it's like that is no, the was, social. I was, I was just trying to tie it into yeah. to pulp fiction. It's just yeah, if without a job, a gainful employment, I'll just be Jules. I'll just walk yeah. the land. You know, that's that's they have a, they have a name for that. It's a bump. bump. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just, that's probably the, the brain damage is obviously the most direct reference to insanity in the album. Yeah. I also like how the word that uses to refer to crazy people is lunatic, which literally comes from one who is influenced by the moon, the moon, the dark side of the moon. Um, yeah. Uh, why do they call lun like in general? They, they thought that this is back when astrology was a big thing, and they thought the influence of the, the planets determined people's personality and stuff. So if you were too influenced by the moon, you went crazy. That's where lunatic. I think I'm just using like a little piece of information Making to build up. Brain on Brad. <laughs> <laughs> You're a smart motherfucker. Um, and then finally, we close out with Eclipse, which is. We were talking about building and building and building tension, which releases, and that's that's this song. This song is just a build, 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 yeah. build, build, and then perfect release, and everything is in perfect harmony in that final moment. Um, and I, it's just a perfect way to close out the album. Yeah. I think a great album. I think it's one of the the three greatest albums ever made. I'm curious to see what your other two. Are. Like to me, I. 
I be surprised. Also, also, let's, let's, what are you, how do you define greatest by? Just uh, as a, a complete word, a complete artistic statement, which has something to say and delivers that statement in an interesting and impactful way. Yeah. To, to me, like the greatest, just because from start to finish, it's seamless. It, it goes yeah. together. It flows well. You know, there might be better songs out there, but the whole album as an together, album as, as a yeah. singular artistic statement. That's why statement. I chose this over other, you know. Things I could have albums for sure. And Michael, so when you talk about this, Michael listens to albums different. Michael listens to music differently. Typically, I like I'll listen to a single here or there, and there's only a couple albums where I really listen to the whole album. Michael listens to albums like start to finish. Yeah, that's like my music listening. Yeah, style. I mean it makes sense. That's how it was traditionally with vinyl. Like you weren't gonna like switch the vinyl. There were singles. Yeah. There were singles, but like if you said, oh hey. Would I rather let the record play or like switch it every ten minutes? It's like, yeah. It's, anyway, you just, I mean, you would be switching it out and putting, yeah. lifting the needle. So I, putting I mean, my needle. my genre. I like a lot of music. I like rap, R and B, old school classic rock, idiot, like a little of everything. So my playlist is all over the place. So that's how I normally listen. But yeah, this is one of the few albums where, like you said, it's like the start to finish is just. It takes your soul on a journey. Like yeah. I literally feel like every time I listen to it, it's I, I start somewhere. And it's just, it literally brings me on a journey. And I don't know many other albums that do that for me like that. Again, I do think, I do love Tame Impala. There's a couple like that. Yeah. But I, for me, it's the most impactful album yeah. I've ever. All right. I did, didn't mention yet, but, you know, Arctic Monkeys. There's a couple albums like AM. AM so, is so AM good. AM is really so good. good. I, I like but, uh, so, Favorite Words so Nice. Right. When you asked me to pick an mm -hmm. album, so I listened I listen to many, I have many songs from that album on my playlist. Yeah. But I decided to listen to the whole album. And the whole album didn't do it for me. Yeah, yeah because oh, it, it, in between, good songs, there's like not a... seven really good songs, and then the four or five in between just don't. But not just that, dude. The songs lead into one. No, like to they me, don't. again, there are albums that do it, but this is still the one I think does it the best, and like I think of the most, where it's like, there's no like, like lots of albums. Even if the whole album's good, it stops, and then the new song starts. This one, there's no stopping. It literally like one leads right into the next yeah. like the, it is a single it's, 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 it is a, a single sweet song, song. Yeah. it's a single song yeah. and they just happen to choose seven breaks or eight breaks or whatever yeah um okay so yeah. i think we done to death yeah okay moving on bold predictions <laughs> we will force you to make a bold prediction yeah dad you said that you we, we, before we started you said that you had a bold prediction you wanted to talk about i i think that on january 1st they're still going to be arguing about who the president of the united states is Honest to God. Ah, so that's I two months after the election? I feel like... I don't, think, I, I don't know. I feel like six weeks is probably like the most that yeah, they'll have that. I think because, first of all, you know they're not going to have results for at least two to three weeks afterwards because yeah. of all the mail-in ballots and stuff like that. But it's going to be in the courts, arguing about what's 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 not, what's not, the whole system of... You think I it's going to be Bush Gore 2000 again? system of electoral, electoral is... Ridiculous. Yeah, the Electoral it's, College. The Electoral College is ridiculous. So that's going to cause all these confusions about what's what, who's who, and who gets to do it. And I think it's going to be right till January. You're not going to really know. Mm. And I think in the meantime, the lame duck president, Donald Trump, will be probably doing a lot of things that we expect him to do, which are going to be ri ridiculous. Yeah. J just just for context for, for our listeners, this is not coming from just a bunch of Canadians just complaining about the American election. Josh and I are just Canadian, Canadian, whereas Dad, you yes. are a born, raised in the United States, renounced my citizenship last year, twenty nineteen, I believe it was. Yeah. 
so yeah, so very familiar with it. I have family still lives in the States, familiar with the electrical system. And uh, just we're, we're also familiar with yes. it. Like like I was going to say, I don't think just because you're a Canadian doesn't mean you know. In fact, I almost feel like sometimes Canadians know a lot more about the American system I think than Americans yes. know about their own system. Because sometimes I feel like they're just so in it that they're like, ah, the whole system's fucked, so why even learn about anything? I know, and but I'm just I, like, I, yes. I do think someone who, I guess, has both perspectives, yeah. like Dad, it, it, I guess there's something to be said for someone who was raised in the system, was, grew up with the, with, you know, America kind of always says that America's the greatest, so having grown up with always hearing, did you grow up hearing America's the greatest year in yeah. most of your life? I did say it, when I, when I was a kid, I think it was the greatest. Yeah. When, when I say kid, when I was it's kid, true. The day he was born, it, it was, was the, the greatest. greatest. <laughs> and then the day after it was second. It went, it went then, from that, yeah. Born, right? No, but I, I think that the, the thing is though, their system is very complicated. It's not simple like it is in Canada. I think the parliamentary system is very simple. It's yeah. not perfect. I think the United States system is complicated, not perfect. I don't think there's a perfect system out there. But I think in this situation, you know, in this environment, and I think it's still going to be January first. It's still going to not have an official. Present. I hope I'm wrong. I pray I'm wrong. I, I don't. I think it's better for the world. Whoever wins, whoever wins, it's better that it's done sooner rather than later because it'll help the transition be better. Well, the, the I was just I was camera where I was listening to, but someone was say they were an election official. I think in in Ohio, it was speaking about the election officials' prayer, which is whoever wins, please let it be by a landslide, so we don't have any exactly. problems with yeah. anything. Which, if there, I, I actually really like this bold prediction because my thinking is like mid December. It's just a little stretched more, and I think it's something that's, it's bold, but at the same time still has like a, a solid chance of happening. I think what's more important to the United States political landscape is who wins the Senate. Quite honestly, yeah. uh, I, I think that you know the president. I think the Democrats are going to win the presidential. Uh, seat, but um, the Senate's so powerful that it's really that's going to be more important to deciding what the future United States is going to be heading for the next two years. Mm. Because if there is a uh, a if Donald Trump wins and there's a Democratic Senate and a Democratic House, it's going to be a mess for two years. And if Biden wins and there's a Republican Senate and a Democratic House, it's still going to be a mess. So. Yeah, my bold prediction is there's a coup in the next. Yeah, I'm not gonna make that. No, um, I do think it's a little. The whole system's a little far. Honestly, I, I think we've spoken about this, Josh and I, but I just think they should have just done the original intention and rewrite the Constitution every 25 years because you can't see where things are going. You can't know what people's feelings are going to be like 240 years down the line. Yeah. So what, what, that was the the original no. idea was every generation would write a new Constitution. What's the name of the people? Uh, I think Scalia was one of the people who like believe the Constitution. Textual originalist and textualists. Yeah. yeah. If you're an originalist, you're a fucking moron. Like, literally, <laughs> you are the biggest dummy ever. It's like you know what? These guys like listen. They were brilliant at their time. I'm not knocking them, but they're Absolutely. like I think they can predict the future forever, and I think that they want this what, system yeah. forever. It's like what really? worked then will still be applicable, and uh, yeah. It, it's so dumb. It's you guys like, know about electricity yet? Oh boy, so, you guys are in for some. So people who, to me, the people who are the smartest are the ones not that like can predict the future. First of all, I, like it's the people who say, "Hey, I was wrong about this." So how do we change to adapt? Mm. Like it's all about how quickly you can adapt to the changes. You can't predict crazy things like COVID. 
but you can adapt to it and say, hey, how do we, what do we need to change because of COVID? What do we need to, and, and that's honestly the thing that I think is the most important. And I think that they're, yeah, it's, they, they, no one's changing. Everyone's like, it's yeah, hilarious that, you know, that, first of all, there's all these amendments because yeah. they couldn't get it right the first time, but they won't do amendments now. But what's crazy is that but Canada's got a way superior constitution because it's more recent. It's more relevant. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's well. I'm I'm also thinking of the what's his name, the Australia Jim Jeffries thing, where people are like, you can't change the constitution. Of course you can. It's called an amendment. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's my, that's my point. It's like they're so stuck in their ways, and I do think like the only like they tell themselves all the time that they're the greatest, and that's the only thing that they like. They're not the greatest. I literally think they have lost position to China, and I think India's coming up fast behind them, and I think in the next five years, they're gonna, India's going to pass them because they are just, no, what's worked is going to keep working forever, and it's like, no, you need to adapt. You need to change your ways, and they're not. And I don't think... I, I tell you, yeah. I was listening to a podcast from the New York Times, they are interviewing a guy from Pennsylvania yeah. who lost his job, who used to work at a VHS and CD manufacturing company. Because <laughs> they lost their jobs to China, and one like, does not realize no, no one watches VHS tapes anymore. Mm-hmm. No like, yeah, the world's changing. Yeah. China's the reason that I lost my job. No, <laughs> yeah. I literally said to Erin the other day because we were in the car and the thing wasn't working, and she's got a CD player still. And I said, "How, how do you get like if I wanted to make you a mixtape, how would I even burn a CD today?" So it's, I, See, I don't even computers know. don't even have disk drives. I know they had to buy an extra. Mom and dad bought an external disk and drive. And like, but where computer. would you then buy? So then you'd have to buy the disk. You'd have to buy an external disk drive. It's like, okay. oh my god! It's like no. Mostly off topic, but I rewatched Forty Year Old Virgin recently, and at one point he said he tell, he threatens his friends by saying, "Hey, I'll tell the boss that you guys have been stealing the rewritable CDs." They're like, "Oh, whoa, 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 hold off!" And I was thinking that is. Very much of that era and of yeah. no era. <laughs> yeah. That that very quickly disappeared. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's go on to discussion. Sure. All right. So this week we're going to be talking about um, our experiences going to see the movie Tenet uh, by Christopher Nolan. So let's let's prelude with spoilers because we're not just talking about the experience. We're talking about the movie. Yes. Okay. Yes. To so, some extent. Let's, we don't need to go in detail. I I kind of want to. I mean, we don't have to go. The whole thing. We don't I'm need like, to go into Michael talking about Dark Side of the Moon detail. Yes, no, no. <laughs> We've got that coming we, up with Michael talking about Pulp Fiction yeah. detail. But I so if you haven't seen it and you would like to see it, you can stop listening now. There'll probably be a time code in the description that we put on the episode yeah. that you can just click and we'll skip past. Or them. I'll do this. You know when they like edit it in after the fact, or you can skip to. And then Michael edited in there. Four minutes. First. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, you guys saw it together? Yes. I saw it with Aaron at a drive-in. We, we saw it in theaters. theaters. Yes. In IMAX. So, so, first of all, different experience there, but I think one commonality, I'm sure, is it's goddamn loud. It's a loud movie. It's, it's a loud such movie. a loud movie. But doesn't all, aren't all Chris Nolan's movies loud? He no, is, they're he, getting louder progressively. They are, Every but movie gets he louder. has been known for mixing loud since, like, um... Dark Knight, I think, was the first one where people were like, he's mixing really loud. Yeah. And okay. then and, and Inception was louder, and Dark Knight Rises was louder. I remember Interstellar, people were like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, but... So I rewatched a bunch of Christopher Nolan movies with Aaron before this. Yeah. And we watched all the Batman ones. We watched... What else did we watch? We watched... Did we watch uh, Inception? We didn't watch Inception. Prestige? We... Oh, I was looking for the Prestige. It's not on... Memento? Memento? No, we want to watch Memento. What else is there? Interstellar and Dunkirk. 
And I know Aaron does not like Dunkirk. She hates Dunkirk. No. Yes. So what do we watch? I guess we, we won't watch... We'll talk about that. We'll talk about <laughs> Sorry, I guess we watch Inception. And we watch the Dark Knight ones. We watch Tenet. We were trying to find The Prestige because she's never seen it. I'm like, oh, it's so good. It's really good. Um, but I, yeah, I've noticed it's gotten progressively louder. So yes, he mixes loud, but like, this one was like over the top. I thought it was really, like, Bane was tough to hear and Batman's tough to hear and stuff like that. But here, every, yeah, but here every character is tough to hear. Like literally every character. Right. Anyway, so we saw in the theater. Yeah. Uh, we went to in see IMAX. IMAX. It yeah. just, it's like I think the theaters just opened up uh, yeah. to allow the public to actually I see it. I think we waited a week just we to... We waited a week or two afterwards and uh, I felt comfortable being there. There was an IMAX there which has a huge theater. There's lots of yeah. airspace there and we sat in the last row yeah. so there's no one sitting behind us and... You had reserved seats. You couldn't sit spacing. anywhere you wanted to. There was spacing. Not, you know, seating only every so rows, and no one sitting next to us for three or four seats of the way. So we felt very alone there. Yeah. I when when I first sat down, I was still a little bit cautious. But once I got, once I like settled in, which I think the first thing that settled me in was there's a teaser for for the Dune trailer, which I, I'm not. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna talk about Dune, but. I got really excited about that. So just in terms of seeing an IMAX, it's fantastic. And I know you saw it at a drive-in. And uh, I think that's a great option to see it, too. Yeah. For, I mean, it was more about safety. Again, I'm sure it wasn't as good a visual experience. But, like, to me, it was such a good movie anyway. I, I love this movie. I do not understand the hatred for this movie. Yeah, okay. I've read so many reviews. Really? There's a lot of hatred for this movie? So it was like, it got very mediocre reviews. It was like 63% stuff like that. I'll say like 60 There's a lot of like 65 to 75 depending on which I saw even lowers. But then I read the reviews and it doesn't make sense. Like even people that disliked it were like 4 to 10 and they're like, Christopher Nolan as always brings the masterpiece with the visual flair and the da 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 all this stuff. And then they're like, but... Four out of t- I was like, what? Like, he le- they literally, like, compliment. It's, like, visually stunning. It's, like, mind-bending. But they're just really like, creative. but I didn't like it. Yeah. I, like, I think it, there's a lot of people who, I think with some of his movies, there's the, I don't understand it, so I don't like it factor. Which, like, I feel like applied to Inception, applied to, not his film, but The Matrix, I think, was one that got, like, the yeah. that treatment. I feel like this one, I was kind of braced for that sort of, like, I don't know what's going on, so I'm just so you know what's funny? So here's the crazy part. Like, I'm not going to say I fully understand the physics of the world or whatever you want to call it. Because, yes, that's confusing. But I do not find the story that complicated at all. This is a very straightforward story when you actually think about it. And so I was like, people are confused. Made no sense. I I think, I honestly think, from the reviews I read, I think the big part is, like, people were like, oh, I couldn't hear everything, and I want to hear every word. It's like, but did you... Like, a good film... Again, it did annoy me because I was someone like, "What, what, what did he say? But, like, it's so good. You know what's going on. They, they always say in filmmaking, show, don't tell. Yeah. And you could have the whole movie on mute. I think you'd still be like, that was dope. I don't know exactly what went on, but that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I think a... you would understand the science fiction part of it. Yeah. But the story part of it, pretty linear, pretty easy to understand. Right? Yeah. yeah. There's, a lo- there's, there's not too many, like, besides the science fiction element, there's not that many moving pieces. There's a good pieces. guy, there's a bad guy. Yeah. And there's a woman involved who and has, like they need to do this. And they need to do this to be to, to yeah. stop the bad guy. It's, it's yeah. not it's not a complicated no. story. Right. Again, the physics do make it complicated. And I will like because you're like wait how, like I was for like the next day I was like wait. 
So how many versions are you at at a single time? Because when you go back, exactly. and there there are complications. How many overlapping? Like that. Yeah, but that's that's a detail yeah. that you don't need to actually understand. It's like the Matrix. It's like wait, how would people power them? Because you need to feed the people to get the energy from. Them. It's like yeah. yes, you're right, but don't think about it too much. Like just was it a great experience? Yeah. And I'm like yes, it was awesome. Awesome. I I'm gonna say I think these are so Chris Nolan and set pieces just go together so perfectly and this is some of his best big action set pieces Uh, uh, some of his most ambitious ones and the way that some of those scenes you see them twice from the second perspective of from first time seeing it forwards and then the the going in reverse i thought both of the times that we really see that or all three times i'll say the acting i love i love john david washington i thought he was great i loved him in uh black klansman yeah Yep, and then I really am liking Robert Pattinson lately. I was yeah. surprised. I, yeah, I was surprised I, how much I liked him. I was yeah. like, damn. He's but awesome. did you, okay, you you didn't. I've been getting back into the Robert Pattinson thing, and I think the first one that did that for me was we watched Good Time for an earlier. Episode. He was so good. Man. So good, and that was what I was like. Maybe he's good. Maybe he's great. He's re- yeah, he's really also, good. Also, seeing him as Cedric Diggory in the Harry Potter movies, it was yeah. just like, Frank, he was in that, and he was good. I honestly for think Twilight one like a little like people like. He got well, like, he the hated bad shine on it. I know. Bad. Okay, that's also the bad shine on him. That I was perfect. Thinking that, but yeah, that he, was a great pun that you didn't. He, yeah, I know. I do that all the time. But yeah, he didn't. I often wonder. I make a lot of puns. I don't even realize. I'm like, is this subconsciously I'm a genius and consciously I'm an idiot? I'm no, just, no, 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 no. Just both. I'm an idiot. I'm just smarter, so I'm picking up. There on you that. go. <laughs> yeah, but no, I like Robert Pattinson. And again, like I don't know how the new Batman's gonna be, but he's the new. He's gonna be in the new Batman. I heard. Yeah. And, and when I after I saw Tenet, I said. I'm, gonna really I'm enjoy it still not sure if I'm who's, loving it, but I don't that think movie, it's by the way. Matt like, Reeves. I think is the director. He's he's a good director, but uh, he's not he's, he's not Chris Nolan. He's not Nolan. He's not he's not, he's not like the guy. Who I'm like I want to see his version yeah. the most, but he's good. The way I see it is like the Dark Knight or the Christopher Nolan Batman's were like way up there. The Ben Affleck ones way down there. Ugh. I think they suck. But I'm also I don't like, think dude, he, but he was a bad no, Batman. He though. doesn't. He wasn't a bad Batman. But I think he was a bad. He was a bad Batman only because the Batman, he he did a good job of portraying the Batman they wanted. Yeah. I just don't like that Batman. This gru- gritty, gruff, older. I didn't like it. I well, it's, personally, it's, a lot of it has to do with the influence of the of a very specific graphic novel. I know, but I like yes, you can say you can say I didn't love that movie or I didn't like that without saying <laughs> the actor themselves. But yeah, I don't think he did a bad job. But so I'm I'm somewhere in between with Pattinson. I think he'll do a great job of portraying what they were, are looking for. I just hope that the the Batman they are trying to portray is one that I want to see. And it's back to ten. I thought visually. So good, so good. So good. And I, I was, was, the acting, I was so the impressed. Was great. Yeah. I thought I like science it? fiction. I like the movie when you leave it, you have to think about it. Yeah, yeah. And I think you leave them when you start, just like you said, Josh. How many versions of him did I see, or what timeline was that, or what's going yeah, on yeah. there? Yeah. yeah. But the story itself is pretty simple, I, and I don't understand what the people don't like it. I don't get it. They don't, they're not big into the Inception kind of yeah. type movies kind of stuff. And here's yeah, my question. Those people are never going to be into a Christopher Nolan. Yeah, they're never going to be a Christopher Nolan. So, well, so, you know what? That's a percentage of the audience that you're just like, why don't you know what you're getting from Christopher Nolan? How are you surprised Even at this people point? who liked it didn't seem to say it was as good as others. I, I was like, I did not... Under, I honestly think... So, I'm okay, let's go through. Where does this rank in your definitive Christopher Nolan... Play uh, or ranking. I it's it's not in. I don't think it's 
the the very top tier, but probably in the second tier. So what's in the top tier? What's the top tier? Uh, I, this one might be controversial, but I think Dunkirk. Dunkirk yeah, yeah. I, Aaron's I, least favorite movie. I love Dunkirk so much. I think it, it's it's incredible. Tarantino's second favorite movie of the decade. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but I go probably Dunkirk, Inception, Dark Knight, and Memento are probably that first tier. Okay. Uh, and then that second tier is probably Interstellar, the other two Batman's, uh, and Prestige. And then I guess following is on its own in the third tier. I'm trying to remember if I'm forget. Oh, and uh, Insomnia is also in that oh. last. So to me, well, I haven't seen following. Insomnia is definitely at the last. I'm yeah. Like, yeah, very. Insomnia, mad. the one up in Alaska. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah, that was the that was the one that they that they did. Okay, we, you made Memento. We see that you're clearly really good, but we don't want to immediately give you a huge budget thing. We want to give you something medium budget to see how you do. That was it's a, a movie. It's a it was a good movie. It's a good movie, but it's not. No, yeah. not, 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 not. And it's also but not it was, an original. It's, that it's, was a, it was the a only, like, not original. Well, the Batmans, but, like, that's the only one that he didn't write the screenplay for, yeah. I think. So Or wasn't involved for in For me, like, I think I think they're all good, but to me, Insomnia, I haven't seen Fallen so I can't judge it. Insomnia's definitely at the bottom. Dunkirk, I don't like as much, but I still think it's a great movie. I actually think I like this better than Inception. To me, Ooh. I'm like, and I originally, I actually did not originally like um, Dark Knight Rises that much, but when I rewatched it, I, like to me, I was always like Dark Knight's number one, yeah. and Dark Knight Rises is like good. When I rewatch, I'm like, those two, I think, are maybe at the very top. I, I think there's, there's, a, there's a gap in between the two, but it's, it's not like they're just like here, but there's, there's a gap, but it's not like yeah. This. I'm trying. I honestly think it then might be. Tenant and Prestige, mm. then it's and Inception. Like maybe those three are like combined, oh. just one step. And then, um, those are like Interstellar is definitely like uh, Interstellar and Dunkirk maybe second. That, well, I would say third tier. To me, it's like number one are like the two Batman's. Oh, and Batman Begins is also kind of in like the same yeah. one as Interstellar. Maybe yeah. Like to me, this was like, I love this. I was so into this. I love. This. I love it too. I mean, to it. me, it's a top four Christian Nolan film, and it's yeah. like I I want to say it's the best of the year because I haven't I don't know, but like what <laughs> else is this year? What else? Yeah. Well, there's no longer Dune this year that got pushed back yep. nine and a half nine and a half months or something. Yep. So that's my point. What else came out this year? Like I'm like I well, literally am like new I mean, new Fincher's coming out in like two weeks, so that's pro- uh, Mank. It's a screenplay that his father wrote about the making of Citizen Kane. And the entire movie is made in like a 1940s style in black oh, and white. About that the other day. And the score is by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross using only 1940s style instruments, also. So I'm really curious. That is porn for Michael. That it's is like, absolutely. Oh my god, they made the music. Oh god, with old instruments? Yes. Okay, I. I. Yeah, it's everything that I want, and I. It's also. I think it's it, it's a passion project for Fincher also because it's the only screenplay his father ever wrote. He wasn't like a screenwriter, and he's been trying to get this made as like a, I guess a testament to his father in a way. So it's a very personal project to him. It's gonna be on Netflix. Um, oh, okay. So I you'll be able to see it. Twenty twenty one Oscar selection backlog for the twenty twenty movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> okay, interesting. One. Sorry, that one. Yeah, I thought I was gonna say the year after is gonna be a backlog because there's oh, gonna be sure. so yeah. many that are pushed back, so it's gonna be very competitive. But this one, like. I don't know if it's gonna win, but to me, like, I cannot remember the last time I was this pumped for a movie. 
Like, I literally, like, laughed, like, Gosh! Oh, I, you <laughs> even asked Rachel. I was pacing back and forth and jumping and smiling. She thought I'd lost my mind yes. after watching this. So, like I said, the, the segue, but this might be a good year for Netflix and other streaming services because historically they've been treated like dirt when it comes to movies. Yeah. And now because there's so little out in the theaters, they might have to get the... They could win for Mank if, if Fincher delivers. Yeah. I don't know what else they've yeah. got this year that's... um. They did The Five Bloods, which I don't think is going to make much noise, besides maybe acting categories. Um, well, because... Not just... Oh, Domingo Coleman was already going to be talking say, about his... I was going to say, because Chadwick Boseman, I think it's oh, going to get... They've also got um, no, Ma no. Rainey's Black Bottom, which has Chadwick Boseman's very last performance yeah, in lead actor. Those I think are going to get win. additional um, yeah. attention because of it. Yeah. Back to Tenet, I guess. Yeah. So fantastic movie. I loved it. Yeah, and it. I understand why people don't love it. But I think it's just an amazing movie, and I think everyone who likes anything that has to do with, I, I say, timelines like that yeah. should definitely go see it. So yes. Michael's seen Dark? Yes. Have you seen Dark? I haven't started watching it. No. Okay, so I think Aaron and I both said, like, we think that because we watched Dark right before, like, we finished the series, like, maybe a week before we saw Tenet, like, we were already mentally, like, prepared for, like, weird timeline situations. Not time travel, but, like, thinking about that shit. So I think we were already, like... I think this is a lot simpler than that, though. It, it is, no doubt. But because of that, we were like, okay, I guess I'll ask you this. Like, how quickly until you, like, not that there's, like, a big reveal at the end, but there's, like, there's a, I guess, some, how quickly did you guys figure out the ending? Uh, the, 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 um, for, for, for some of the stuff with the, with the woman diving into the water, I figured that out within four seconds. Okay. That one figured out really quickly. Four seconds? The second I saw it, I was just like, that's gonna... Uh, that. Okay. That one, I just kind of knew. That one, I just intuitively... Just so, the, spoiler, when they had to fight with the two guys? Yeah. Two seconds for Yeah, same. Yeah. Same. But it didn't matter. No, it was great. I, I wasn't... Okay, I wasn't sure which one of the two of them it was going yes, to be. Yes, I wasn't... I didn't... I knew I it was good. I, I had the sense well, that it was one of them, when but he, I didn't When know. Pattinson saw... Yeah, but I thought I thought it could have been both. Yeah, that's I, why I wasn't. But I knew it was like I'm trying to talk about this in a way that talks about it without talking. About yeah, it. yeah, it's so good. But yes, I I mean, but it again, didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Well, I agree. The car didn't matter. Figured out. Yeah, the car. Yeah, yeah. I thought that. Uh, every, every all of these set pieces are so so good. I so, love them all. So, so, well, yeah. Anyway, enjoy it. Go out, see it, because there's nothing Absolutely. else to see anyways. Yeah, it's, not yeah. Fun. it's so good, honestly, and. I also, I also just need the experience of going to the theaters. I think part of it was just when I came home, I was just, I hadn't been to the theaters since, I think maybe the last one that I'd been to was Star Wars Episode Nine, which was one of the most, one of the more disappointing that ones. Was a disappointing movie. That was really disappointing. So for that to be the last one that I had for a long time, just in in my head, to come into this where I was just so excited coming out of it, I I kind of needed just that. Yeah. yeah. Again, maybe I need to watch. I know you guys were talking about watching a second time. Maybe I need to too. But like I was. So pumped. Maybe a so second watch I won't like as much, but like, I remember I just being like, like <laughs> oh my god, this was so good. It's like, even when you, like Dad said, like, you, even if you don't need to like, figure it out and all that, but like, it just felt like, it was a puzzle to figure it out, but even still, even when you know it's happening, yeah. and I figure, even just watching it, it's like, oh, he's such an artist. Just laying all these little breadcrumbs and like, what? Because Erin didn't figure all of the stuff out at the yeah. same time. So then watching her go like, oh my god. I was like, yes, you're on my page now. This yeah. is amazing. Christopher Nolan is, I, I know this is a, like a, a boring thing to say, but at what he does, there's there's no one 
that does what he does as yeah, well as he does. He's so good. Yeah. Again, it's not everyone's style. It's not everyone's taste. style, and I think he's he's one of the few directors that you can sell on on his brand alone. Yep. Right. Uh, Most of the time, you sell. Yeah, Tarantino, but Tarantino you don't sell to as big an audience. To like sell, open a blockbuster. Tarantino's movies have never. You don't think, you don't think Tarantino? You don't think Django would be considered a blockbuster in Glorious Bastards? Uh, the their box office, if you look at them, they were successful movies, but they were not. I mean, they're um, R-rated movies. If you consider it within its category of within R-rated its movies, it's probably really one of the larger R-rated movies of all time. Okay, but yeah. Hateful Eight was also that was a. What, what what was the film it was released on? Uh, uh, Ultra Panavision 70mm. That is a passion project for him. Yeah. He's like, I want to shoot on this old yeah. school. He film. also shot on that for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and we saw it all released on that for yes. Once Upon a Time. But I don't think great. that was as much a part of the marketing. <laughs> no, I remember it wasn't with Hateful Eight, it was like... My, yeah. my point was, yeah. is that just because it's a Tarantino film who's made some of the fantastic movies does not automatically equal a success. Yeah. Blockbuster. I, not just that, but like... No, no. When you're talking about huge blockbusters, for now they're pretty much all pre-existing, like IP. IP. You got the superhero movies and stuff like that, and James Bond. The only guy who really opens like a summer blockbuster that like the ex- expectation is, you know, it will it will hit maybe a billion dollars. The only guy that you you have that with no IP where you're selling it on this man's name, is is. Christopher Nolan, right? Like maybe Michael Bay at one point was that sort of guy, but at now one definitely point, isn't. Bay definitely was that guy. Like when Armageddon came out, it was sold on Michael Bay. So Michael. But Bay I also Bay. think that, like, we're past the. I don't know. Like, I. To me, there's like five directors that people actually care about, and that's it. Maybe six, yeah. like, or maybe seven. There, it's yeah, like, but no one draws an audience like he does. I don't know. So Spielberg, Nolan. Um, Tarantino. Tarantino. Uh, Scorsese still there. Scorsese, no? I okay. think. Um, Coen Brothers, I think. Yep. But theirs, theirs are not uh, blockbusters. No block. Well, again, I don't I like this whole block. Like, I think Nolan's going to get into that echelon. I he, hope so. He will. So good. So good. He's so and good. Dune needs that. Needs he, that sort of. Right, but right now, he doesn't have the name recognition. And then I'm like, does Guillermo del Toro? I don't think uh, he's that. I don't think no. he's nearly as good as those. No. But I do think there are people that like like his style. People people who love Guillermo del Toro Guillermo. love Guillermo yeah. del Toro. I've always been casual, like interested, but I guess my question is like, how much is the director a part of the marketing? Like to me, Spike Lee is a decent aspect of the marketing when it yeah. happens. Yeah, well, of course, Del Toro is Spike a Lee. Part. Yeah. Spike, if it's a Spike Lee film, it's going to draw attention. Yes, yeah. but like most others, I'm like nothing. But again, Villeneuve. Ah, oh, I love him. So good. Okay. So good. Okay. okay. I, I, I'm just gonna... I just want to talk about Villeneuve and Dune for a second. The trailer for Dune came out before it got pushed, and I was so excited. Especially, I was going to talk about it when we are talking about Dark Side, because the music used in the trailer is Hans Zimmer doing a rearrangement of Eclipse from Dark Side of the Moon. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so it was just like, oh, it just feels like it ties in, then it got pushed for ten and a half months or something like that. I'm just like, I don't want to talk about this. I was so, I was so excited. <laughs> Especially because I've now I'm rereading the books. I've finished like two and a half of the Dune books since then. Yeah, I just love that. Anyways, let's move on to our last segment, um, which we'll be talking about the movie of the week, Pulp Fiction. So, yes. I have seen this movie many times, and it's one of the few yes. movies where I think every time, like I think a great movie, every time you watch it, you get something a little new out of it. Yeah, that I, movies I'm get details. worse every time. 
good movies just get a little better every time I watch it. And I, I, I had not seen this movie probably in half a decade. Like I, I, I've seen it many times, but like not in a bit. I kind of go on like, eh, I've seen that one too recently, and then I just leave it for a year, and then that year turns into five or six or seven. Rewatching it, I was like, this is such a good movie. I forgot because I, I love Tarantino, love everything he does. But I was starting to think, is Pulp Fiction really as good as people think? Because I love uh, Reservoir Dogs. Love it. I don't, some people are like, eh. I'm like, I think it's up there. I, I love Reservoir Dogs, but I, I think Pulp Fiction is, is a class of its I just finished yeah. watching Reservoir Dogs again last month. It's really good, but it's, it's not Pulp Fiction. It's not Pulp Fiction. It's no, not I agree. Pulp Fiction. But, yeah, I mean, it's just a great movie, Pulp Fiction. It's, it's, it does everything... You, it's so Tarantino. It is. It it's is. so Tarantino. Again, I actually think it's it's the second most Tarantino movie is I actually think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I know that sounds yeah. weird. No, but I like, agree. It's like there's lots of jumping around. There's so much small dialogue. There's the violence. There's that, and then there's like these. Uh, so it's just, just and it's infused with his version of cool, just yes. all the way through. Yeah, and in turn, it's funny. I found Once Upon a Time in Hollywood didn't have as much violence as I expected it to have. Up until that, and it really had that one scene, yeah. and that one scene really does give you what you need for that movie. But that's like, first of all, I rewatched that scene so much. I think with Pulp Fiction, we ended up talking a lot about just Tarantino, not just Pulp Fiction. But yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say like, Once Upon a Time, not his best work. I still really liked it. I think it's, I think it might be in his top, top tier. Really, I so, love. I so love. My Once thing time. with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, I think it is unlike other movies. I think Pulp Fiction. The sum is greater than the... Or what's, what's the saying? The, the, the sum is greater the, than the parts? The yeah. whole is greater than the sum, sum of the parts. parts. Yeah. I think Once Upon a Time is the opposite. I think Once Upon a Time has so many great scenes. I just didn't think the whole movie added up the same way. Because I love... There's like a million scenes of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that I love. But Pulp Fiction, there's maybe even... Maybe fewer scenes that I love. But they add up... They like multiply. It's so the the whole is so much better. It's so much. It's so good. Yeah. Um, um, well, to me, the best thing about Tarantino movies is the dialogue. Yes, and I th I think this is his best screenplay. Pulp Fiction is maybe one of the greatest screenplays ever. I have a. I'll show you. I just have a list of all the little lines of dialogue that I have. It's like a page and a half of just the lines of dialogue that I could just say. This is a great line of dialogue. Just to yeah. point it out. I realized partway through, I'm just like, I can't, I can't keep this list because uh, then we'll have a four. Well, how many podcast. iconic? Like we even joked about this already that we we said, look at the big brain on Brad. Yeah. Okay, that's the line. <laughs> what was the other one that I literally already quoted? Um, God, I, I can't remember what the other one. Uh, there was we were talking about. I'll just a taste in burger. burger. That yeah. was the one. Um, I'll just be Jules. I'll just walk the earth. That that whole thing. But that's not an iconic line. I know, but like there, there's uh, the Big Mac. Is iconic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or the, the sorry, the, the quarter pounder. That's an iconic line. There's well, the Big Mac's still Big Mac. They just call it the Big, Big Mac. Mac. <laughs> Ain't the same shit. Ain't the same fucking leap. We didn't have the same fucking spot. I don't know what your text is, but um, I, I, we were gonna talk about the foot massage. That might be for me the best continuous bit of dialogue that he's ever written. Maybe it's because it has to do with one of his. Very obvious interests, Which but feet. yeah. In every yeah. one of his movies, he shows feet. This one's got a lot of Mia Wallace foot shots involved in it. I mean, yeah, but the, the best part of that is not the dis discussion about the feet. It's the very end where he says, "You know, would you give me a foot massage?" Fuck, fuck you. you. <laughs> 
I mean, my feet are kind of tired. Fuck you, man. I don't want to. The dialogue's just like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then when he says that line, it makes you, yeah, "Yeah, man, he's right. That is the scene to me. It's such a good scene. Iconic. But to me, that whole thing is what separates. If you said, show me why Tarantino is different than every other director, that is the scene. Yeah. How many directors say, let's show two guys drive in a car, go up the elevator, well, first get out of the, the elevator, elevator, wait around before the action starts? Yeah. Yeah. It's like 10 minutes. But he he does some good stuff to, to set that up with the first, we should have fucking shotguns for this shit. Yeah. Which, we don't know what they're driving towards, but we see the trunk shot, which is also a very Tarantino thing yes. of them just, we should have fucking shotguns. But, we but, know but, something's going to happen. That's something Josh said I really like. I like the fact that he doesn't go, go straight to the door. Yeah. They so get to the door and say, oh, get there. Yeah. and decide yeah. to go down the hall yeah. and continue the dialogue, which is yeah. fantastic. And that dialogue felt... also also sets up the Mia Wallace stuff when he's like, yeah. it's not a date. It's definitely not, not a, a date. date. I know. <laughs> well, so like, yeah, bad directors, they cut too qu- they cut too quickly. They try to fo- they don't focus. They don't let the scene breathe. And I always say to Aaron, and it's a very you know basic. Uh, directing move but it's was it Chekhov's gun where it's like if they mention something or bring it up yeah. it's got to be relevant yeah most do it in a terrible way like oh that's a nice shotgun oh well the shotgun's gonna come up later right that's too obvious this is like they somehow wove in the Mia Wallace date yeah. into this hilarious it, it wasn't just an exposition or, a, or a, a, a dump of information where it's like oh you just got the new job at the Segway yes I did no. that's bad dialogue bad directors he literally turns a small piece that you're gonna come up later that he's taken Mia Wallace out mm-hmm. into this amazing part and it becomes integral to the story and that's what makes him special yeah also some of the dialogue on this he's talking about just coming back from Amsterdam which he talks to Mia Wallace about yeah he um he talks they talk about uh Tony Rakihara who got thrown out of the window which he talks to Mia Wallace about so all this dialogue comes back around it also, does but like you, like technically didn't need any of it no but you didn't need so it but that's what it, it just builds these characters in this world and I think that most like why do I give a shit about these characters and it's because that's, like they're, we, you, you you learn about them and you like hearing yeah, them talk we feel like we know them a little yeah. we feel like we've lived in their lives a little yeah um oh and we we skip the very first scene which is the the two of them talking about robbing the restaurant which I think is brilliant oh, yeah because it sets up pumpkin we, we're talking about setting something pumpkin and honey bunny which talking about so setting, setting something up that's gonna come back later that is the perfect example yes. of that um I just love that I, it's just oh. so I was just saying this to someone so like there's two uh, electronic music uh, artists, or whatever you want to call them, yeah. that are based on lines from this. Zed's Dead. Zed's Dead, which is the final line in the movie. Um, yeah, and what's... And, uh, what's the, the, not the, fi- not the, fi- the final line chronologically in the movie, but not the final line that we hear in the movie. Yes. yes. Sorry. The yeah. final line chronologically in the movie is Zed's Zed's like dead, baby. Zed's, Zed's dead. Zed. It's not Zed. like it's a chopper. <laughs> and then the other one, what is the actual name of Honey Bunny? Yo, oh, Yolanda Be Cool. Yolanda Be Cool, yeah. Tell that bitch be cool! Tell bitch to choose! We're gonna be like three little Fonzies. And what's Fonzie like? He's cool. That's right. We're all gonna be cool. So good. Um, I also just... Two little things about just them walking down the hallway. One, the song that they... that. Subtle tiny thing, but this music's for, always good. I know, but this is a um, 
this is a Tarantino verse thing with like the red apple cigarettes. But yeah. while they're walking down the hall, one of the doors they walk past has Strawberry Letter 23 playing from it, yeah. which is the song that the Odell, Samuel L. Jackson's character from Jackie Brown, listens to when he oh. before he kills people. So there's a theory that a different Samuel L. Jackson is behind that door than the Samuel L. Jackson that's walking down the hall. Tarantino verse. Ooh, I know that whole stuff. It's like nice little like that's not the stuff that makes it special. I do I know, like I little just, Easter I just... eggs. I love his attention to detail, mm. and that's my point. It's like you cannot know anything. Like there's lots of people who don't even understand the chrono the uh, chronology the chronology yeah. of mm. the movie. They just go, "Wow, that was great." And if you just have a surface level, you can love it, or you can spend hours finding all these little clues, mm. and you can get that much more. And that's the point mm. that I love about Tarantino. It's like it's everyone. It's every level of, of viewer. You can have the Michael who knows all the music and the yeah. filmography, also, and you can just be like, amazing. yo, that was dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the one other thing is before they walk in, they say, all right, let's get into character. Yeah. I just like that, that they acknowledge that their personas for when they're doing all their tough guy gangster stuff is it's a, person that, it's a character that they're putting on. Yeah. You know, That's not who they are. That's just how they have to act to do their job. Yeah. Well, there's the... One of the things I find in that movie I find hilarious is every time John Travolta goes to the bathroom, something, bad happens. Bad. So something really, really bad happens, right? Well, he gets he gets killed by Bruce Willis. Bruce, by Bruce he, Willis. Uh, the two of them stick up the restaurant. Two of them stick up the restaurant. And she ODs on drugs. Right. Yeah. So, so he only goes to the bathroom like three times in the movie, and every time he goes to well, the bathroom, something also, horrible happens. Most of the time, we never see people go to the bathroom in movies. Right. And we see him, and every time he does, it's important that he went to it's the a, bathroom. It's, it's like, it's important. It's <laughs> but there's like, it's, he's not around when, when something happens. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's so many ways you can have someone sort of not be around when something bad happens. He decides, Tarantino, I'm going to go, go to take a shit. <laughs> and I'm going to go to the bathroom. He's going to bring a book with him and read the book in the bathroom. Yeah. Well, and then there's that little tidbit. The book he reads is a movie that Tarantino's wanted to do right. an adaptation of. Like, again, yeah. another little, like, yeah, so he loves these little... Modesty Blase. Yeah. It's this action... Now, if you've seen either the movie or the trailer for the movie that was made from that book, it's, it's horrible. It's actually yeah. pathetic. But it's so bad and so campy that Tarantino's like, I gotta make this movie. Yeah. She's the right like, way. She's like, she's like a female... Oh. Action star, superstar. It's, it's, it's a like a, a woman action film, exploitation yeah. film. Yeah. Oh, he would he would kill well, that. Kill Bill. Kill Bill, and I'm thinking Death Proof also with yeah, like really Death Proof is great. Um, yeah. yeah, and then you know, I, this is the big Kahuna burger is just the a great. Yeah, uh, that my, is my a taste of burger. Also, I, my favorite line from this: My girlfriend is a vegetarian, which which pretty much makes me a vegetarian <laughs> yeah, too. Know. It's a great well, one. Well, my favorite scene in the whole movie actually is. When they show up at Tarantino's place for coffee. After, oh, after Jimmy. Mar- Jimmy's, the... Jimmy's after they kill Marvin. I think Jimmy is the best character that Tarantino has played in his movies. Yeah. I love Mr. Brown from, from Reservoir from Dogs, Dogs, but Jimmy is... Cut the shit, Jules. I know how good my toffee tastes. I'm the one that buys it. When my wife buys it, she buys the freeze-dried shit. I hate it. I want to taste my coffee. Yeah. So they're standing, they're standing you know what I'm thinking? Yeah, their blood all over them. Talking about this is great. I love Mr. Wolf. When he does it, everything's cool. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10 minutes. minutes. Nine Nine minutes minutes and 36 seconds later. (laughs) But then also, when he drinks the coffee and says, Jimmy, "Mm." no complaint from Jimmy when the wolf does it. Mm Because the wolf wolf is cool as hell. It's cool. Yes. Sam, please. (laughs) Um, It seems like the the watch scene. Yeah. Christopher Walken. Oh, his ass! Walken. <laughs> <laughs> so, is, who is your least... T- okay, I've always believed this, and I still... Uh, less so, but I still... 
whoever Bruce Willis's girlfriend is. Oh, she's the worst. She's, she's the worst. worst. She's terrible. My belly. A pot yes. belly on a woman oh, is very blue, attractive. Yes. Oh, blueberries, blueberries, pancakes. pancakes. It's like you had one fucking job. I said you couldn't forget. Yeah. I love how he's just like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And the next shot and is him in the car, car just fucking yelling about it. Yeah. <laughs> My father's called to watch. So you're talking about the, the character or you're talking about the actress? No, I'm sure the actress, she did a good job. But yeah, like the, the character, character is just oh like, God, does is... nothing for me. Mm. It's like, she actively annoys me. Yes. Actually... Yeah. The accent, everything about it actually yeah. annoys mm-hmm. me. Yeah. But it's such everything. a small role, it didn't matter. Yeah. yeah. It's true. I feel like we're kind of supposed to hate her because I feel like, right? She forgot the okay. watch and she's annoying. So we're kind of supposed to hate her, I right? Remember. I don't know. Why, why would you write someone who's like, anyway? Yeah. Sure she's a very small part in it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this movie saved both John Tar- uh, Tarantino's, not Tarantino's, sorry, John Tarantino's and Bruce's. Um, Careers. They're both on the outs at that point. Yeah. Well, and I will say, so again, I love it, and I think, but like Bruce Willis, when I watch this, I'm like, I do not think he's a very good actor. Oh, I thought he was good. I, I thought, thought he was, was really good, good in this. It's perfect in I thought he this was is perfect, what I mean, but I best. also thought there's lines where like I just, he like he was well cast and it was well written cast. for him. Yeah. But I also watch him and I go, oh, that is. Okay. Just, so it's not like it was. Everything was within his scope, but there's just a line where it's like. My father's. Fo- I'm just like this is not very convincing. <laughs> so Bruce Willis is not a great actor, but he acts roles like this. Yes, fantastic. I, and that's he's, my point. He's built so when for he's, this. When he's downstairs. Yes. And says the walls, we cool. Yeah. You know, after. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, mm. Bruce Willis is so perfect for that. Yeah. He's yeah. Coming across strong, tough, yeah. and also scared at the same time. Yeah. Can I get the hell out yes. of this kind of stuff? That's why far from all right. I meant us. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that it was. That's my point. It was perfectly written for him. It was. But I don't, it like, it. there was some, a couple parts where I'm just like, he's not a good actor. He's good, he's very good in this. But it just makes me think, ooh, he can't do a lot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He can't do a lot, but he's fantastic for this role. Yeah. He's, if you know how to use him, you get exactly what Which you is, want. Well, I love the fact that he got these two great guys who were perfect for the roles, Travolta and Willis, got them on the cheap because yeah. their, crows, crow, their careers were in the, were in the toilet. Yeah. And perfect actors for both roles so he uh, so good he's so the, good at the, at, the, at the restaurant okay that's i want i want to talk about the restaurant but I, I i mentioned to rachel that this film revived john travolta's career and she always says to me could could he have just not revived his career could we have just not gotten any more john travolta <laughs> here's my question so like john travolta like when i think of him i think of this i think of face off greece that's my point. I didn't even think of Face Off. Only because, like, we always joke about it. But I'm like, what else did he do after this that was, like... I know it revived his career a bit, but I'm like, he didn't make any... He wasn't, like, an A-lister again, was he? Uh, I feel like Face Off was kind of, like, the biggest thing big he one, did. Sure. I'm literally trying to Him think and Cage and John Woo. Yeah. <laughs> like, what else? No, I wouldn't say he became an A-lister for a long period of time. I mean, like... But it brought him back. They brought, yeah. brought him back. He, he was he was gonna if, if this movie doesn't happen he was he Nick Cage he would have been Nick Cage I mean, he was great as Gotti and Gotti he was great in you know American Crime Story American he was Crime Story. so he's, good he's, he's done a lot of good stuff but yeah, yeah he's not an A lister but it brought, it brought him back from doing nothing to do that's something. fair yeah but I'm saying that he, had, he but as a you know he's a dancer yeah oh, seeing him in so dancing and and, and the whole scene when sitting at the restaurant talking yeah. about the milkshake or dancing yeah, yeah so I love the five dollar milkshake I'm yeah. thinking. Okay, I literally actually I should have done this. Like, what is inflation adjusted? What is that milkshake? Have you today? have you not seen the binging with Babish? 
episode about it, he said, I've tried to adjust for inflation and how much uh, the restaurant mock-up is. So how much should this restaurant, this milkshake cost me to make for a $5 milkshake to make sense? He tried to make what would be an equivalent how much five, was it? It was like a night. It was like he had to spend. It was like a nineteen dollars shake or something like that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, when he said five dollars shake, I'm like, well, yeah, because today's five dollars. I'm like, that's very reasonable. Also, do you know, do you know who the waiter was? Buddy? Yeah, it's Steve Buscemi. Right, so you know, yeah. plays Buddy Holly. He plays Buddy Holly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Buddy Holly is much of a waiter. <laughs> I don't think so. But what I love about it is that Trent, uh, Tarantino uses the same actors. Mm. He, he finds guys he likes. Yeah. He yeah. tries to use them over and over and over again. Cause well, it's just such a good chemistry and I think movies. we got one. It's like you're not always gonna get like the star, but it's like one. You know what you get from them, mm-hmm. and I think he also has like certain character archetypes that he likes using. Yeah. And so he says, you know what, Buscemi is perfect for this kind of person, and like every time he writes him, he's like, let's throw Buscemi in there. Mm-hmm. And again, I think he has great character actor guys. I think like uh, Mad Mad Madsen. Mas- yeah. Yeah, Michael Madsen. Madsen, sorry. Yeah. And then who's the bad guy in? Um, so you know yeah. that that character from Reservoir Dogs is the brother. Is the brother? It's yes. Vincent Vega and the the Vega brothers. Yeah, you know, he you was know. originally going to make a movie called Double V Vega about the two of them, but oh, yeah? he couldn't get it together. Yeah. And I mean, it would have been a problem because they both of them die in their movies. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's supposed to be a prequel. But it's prequel. Though. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed yeah. to be a prequel. And now it's too late to do a prequel. <laughs> They're because both much old. older. Yeah. They'd be older than their original characters. Yeah. I guess I, it could be an alternate. Some people say it's an alternate universe or something. So we're talking Marsden, uh, Madsen. Madsen, sorry. Yeah, no, that's why. Who's. Uh, You're thinking Marsden or something. Yeah, like I know. That. Who's the bad guy in. Um, Christoph Sam Waltz, are you thinking? Ton of his movies. No, Sam, yeah, Sam Jackson's in a bunch. No, the bad guy in Hateful Eight. Uh, I don't want to say the bad guy. He's also in Vice Principals. Have you ever seen that one? No. The bag. Um, I'll look it up. Doesn't matter. Okay, because I'm I'm trying to think. Um, there's Je- Jennifer Jason Lee, no. not her. Uh, there's uh, oh Tim Tim Roth. No, he's Tim also, Roth's the one. Tim Roth's the one. Honey Tim Roth's the one. Yeah. He's the main character. Oh, Walter Goggins. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's not the bad guy. He becomes the good guy. So he becomes the good guy, but he's the racist. He's yes. ra- he's yes. not the racist. He's one of the racists. <laughs> he's the most racist. He does. Uh, Jeffrey Jason Lee's always uh, whatever the rate. He's yeah. Yes. On the racism scale, he's high uh, up there. Um, um, but yeah, sorry. You want to get back to Pulp Fiction? You want to keep talking? Yeah, no, back to Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, I love the restaurant scene just because it, it is a microcosm of everything that he wants. The big tracking shot taking them through, showing all the different posters. Yeah. And it, we've got Ed Sullivan, Ricky Nelson, Mamie Van Doren, Zorro, John Wayne, Little Richard, Marilyn Monroe, Buddy Holly, James Dean, and Martin and Lewis as like your waiters in, in, in that. I just love it. It's fantastic. It's all of the people that yeah. Yeah, but he, again, he, make up his pop again, culture. He's a detail guy, right? Yeah. yeah. So as you were watching just him walking through, he's throwing out all kinds of stuff around us. That, like yeah. you said, Josh, you can watch this movie over and over again and pick up new uh, details every I watched time. that shot a lot. I just watched yeah. it again When you said again. diner, I thought you meant like the diner. No, no, no. no but the, I get the restaurant. But yeah. okay, here's the thing, again, good director does, is that he does. Like, I think a lot of people would not even have that scene in there. They'd like have them just a normal steak dinner or something like that and or like go to a club or something it's like something different something original something like i know again it's not 100 percent related but like where does uh brad pitt's character live in uh one spot time in hollywood 
He lives behind a drive-in. Behind a drive-in. Just like an interesting little uh, like Watch make area with all this pop culture, right? Like, I just think it's... People don't do that. I, like, I, it, it's something that's interesting, and yeah, I, I love it. Even the little things. It's like yeah. nice, well, cool settings. Yeah, well, it's also like... Um, what, what are the things that they order? They order a Douglas Cirque steak, bloody as hell, with a vanilla Coke, and a Durward Kirby burger. It's just like he throws as many references yeah, as right. None of that made any sense if to I me, but I'm like, I'm sure there's a reference there. When, he, when he, she asked, he, when the waiter... Asked about the shake? Asked about the shake. It's Martin Lewis or Amos and Andy. So which, do you want chocolate, dark, black yeah. milkshake, or do you want a vanilla, white milkshake? And I think Martin and Lewis were white comedians, and Amos and Andy were, I think, black. blackface comedians? Yes. So yeah. Even that little detail. Yeah, I love that. Um, so, and again, you can watch these things over and over again. Why do you say this? What does this mean? Yeah, it's just so, so good. Um, again, I didn't know either of them, but I, I figured it out. But that's my point. It's like content. you could read into every... Yeah. There's so many lines. But you knew Martin and Lewis. Yes, but I didn't know the other two. Yeah. Or like the other day you guys were saying... What are the act? Oh, uh, why are there two Marilyn Monroe. Monroe? That's not Marilyn Monroe. Mimi Dorian, and I don't see Jane Mansfield, so she was having that all. I don't know any of these people, but I get the reference. You know like, Marilyn. Marilyn. Monroe. I didn't know the other two. Yeah. Right. But that's my point. I don't like you get the reference. You understand what's going on, and it's so quick though. It doesn't wait. It doesn't have to explain anything. Well, that's the great part. It's he's moving on. Yeah. So if you want to, catch it, you, you have to go well, back and watch yeah. it a second time for yeah. it. He's not wink. Yeah, I hate the guys that wait. They winking at you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, the little thing when uh, Mia Wallace is describing Fox Force Five yeah. is essentially <laughs> is it a first draft of Kill Bill? Essentially, it is. Yeah, I love Absolutely. that. Um, that's great. What do you think of the Five joke? Us? Or foxes? Fox, yeah. Fox is in a bunch of foxy chicks. Force is in a where force we reckon with, and five is in there's one two three four five. That little so detail of one two three four five. I know, but that's, is so, so like good. That when she does the square, yeah. don't be a square. <laughs> like that, those things I thought really like again. It's just like this style. There's something about it. He's got great substance, but also just the style. It's like mm -hmm. oh, I love it so much. But well, what do you think of the joke that she did? The joke, it, well, the, the idea of the joke is kind of a reference to Welcome Back, Cotter, because uh, there's a character on that show who would tell a bad joke every episode. And Welcome Back, Cotter was John Travolta's big See, I break. Even, I mean, I knew he was young, yeah. but I didn't know that about mm -hmm. Welcome Back, Cotter. So there you go. That's yeah. a nice little. I, the, the joke itself is dumb, but I think it's well, supposed to be. It's ketchup. That <laughs> one. It's, a, it's supposed to be. It's, yeah, it's, supposed to be it's perfect for that situation. It's, it, it's in a that dumb moment. Joke. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of. It, it, given the tension that's yeah. around that scene, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just love that because, like, I'm going to go home and have a heart attack, and that's, like, the moment <laughs> yeah. that she tells the joke. Yeah. Um, I love the $5 milkshake, too, just because he's such an asshole about it, but, like, he won't even admit. That it's worth it. He's just like, I don't know if it's worth five dollars, but it's a pretty damn good shake. Especially because like he takes a sip and then he waits and he takes a second sip of the milkshake because it's just that good. Yeah. I would and, have cooties. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I, maybe I do cooties. Yeah. I can handle. Yeah, that's yeah. It's uh, it's so good. But it, it, I I thought of myself because that's what I was. I'm a little bit cheap and so someone was like, oh, it's a twenty dollar milkshake. I what? <laughs> Yeah. Um, whatever the equivalent value is today, would you yeah. say 15, 19, whatever like, it is. Yeah. But then that scene also ends with them doing the twist, which John Travolta... Tarantino says that he did not realize that John Travolta dancing in a movie for like the first time since Saturday Night Fever would be the thing that it was, that people were just like, ah, oh, Travolta back at dancing. It's like a thing again. But um, I, I like that. that. That brings another thing that Travolta's good Is there anything at. we didn't like? Like, again, I love this movie. Is there anything we didn't like? No. <laughs> Besides the girlfriend, uh, Butch's girlfriend? 
Which is girlfriend's the only thing. You know, even, even like Esmeralda Villalobos, I love her. She's great for her. Yeah. She's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. She's fantastic. I would tell them the truth. Three, slightly tipsy Mexican. Yeah, toasty. Well dressed, slightly toasted Mexican. Yeah. Um, uh, that's also got one of my favorite lines. We're American, honey. Our names don't mean shit. It's <laughs> a great line. I like that too. Um, God. Christopher Walken is great in his one scene. Yeah. So good. How much of a scene? Like, it's not long, but like people, like that's my point. How many quotes and t- like people, the way, I think we spoke about this another time, maybe over a dinner or something, Mike, but I was like, the way you judge the cultural relevance of a movie is like, how many scenes do people have never seen the movie, but they know of, right? Like I, we were joking that like 2001 A Space Odyssey, like the music, dome, dome, yeah, that people know and have referenced in Family Guy and this and that, like there are a million scenes in Pulp Fiction that people know, even if they've never seen the movie, I don't think. Like there are just so many... Good lines, references, stuff like that. It's, it's, uh, it's just so good. It's, it's, it's a great movie. It's and, so, uh, so good. And I think, I think it's his best movie. But there's lots of, you know. Yeah. I guess when I fell in love with Tarantino was watching the diner scene in Reservoir Dogs because the dialogue in there was so fantastic. But it's so the good. first scene in it's the, the movie. Scene. And it's first I know. Movie. It's the I very said, first scene of his career. You know, and when you're talking about when I fell in love with him. Then I said, anything that's got... This guy. That I got to watch what this guy yeah. does yeah. because he's just so. I've got Madonna's big dick in this here. I got you. <laughs> so wait, what won that year? Because Michael's like the king of like what? Uh, didn't show oh god, that was that was a good year for movies because that one was Four Weddings and a Funeral, which I watched recently and I really enjoyed. Yeah. Quiz Show, which is it's okay. It's okay, and I understand why it was nominated. Yeah. It was Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, okay. which was amazing. Amazing. Pulp Fiction. That was and nominated? That was nominated, and the eventual winner, Forrest Gump. Oh, that was the same year as Forrest Gump? Forrest yeah. Gump is great. Forrest Gump is a great movie, but I think in retrospect, if, if we're talking about it, are people going to be like, Forrest Gump is the one? Uh, Forrest Gump is still very memorable, and people still know it, and it's still culturally relevant, it so is, I'm actually kind of like... Given, given that slate with Shawshank and Pulp Fiction, is that really... I think they're, let's put it, they're three great films, they all deserve consideration. And they're very different audiences. Very different audiences. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're underestimating Pulp, uh, sorry, Forrest Gump. I think there's Everyone. a lot of families that probably think that's, that's Aaron's favorite movie. She loves it, and I don't blame her. It's a great movie. It's a, it's, I'm, I'm not, I don't have issues with Forrest Gump. I really like it. It's it's one of my top fifty movies of of the nineteen nineties, which I know because someone because you know everything about. Everything. No, someone like uh, an hour before we start recording this, someone on the music forum that I go on, they have things sometimes where they pull people what their favorite movies of the decades were. They did one for the twenty tens because they was like, hey, we're doing one for the nineties. You want to make a list? I'm like, oh, let's start making a list. So, so any closing thoughts on Pulp Fiction? Oh, we didn't we didn't talk about the very end when we finally come back to Garcon Coffee when when they're like sitting Garcon in the means boy. Yeah. But like <laughs> the way that, that it we come back to that is they're the two of them are sitting there, they're talking about happy one charming motherfucking pig, and then you hear Garcon Garcon yeah. in the background and you're just like, Oh my god, this is the situation we're about to come back into. Right. Then we get Ezekiel twenty five seventeen for the second time. Right. We get the Again, year- by the way. Memorable line. Yeah. Bad motherfucker wallet. Yeah. That people still buy. Yeah. yeah. But I, I just love, I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. Ringo is yeah. just so, I also love, I love that he calls him Ringo. He doesn't know what his name is, so he just calls him Ringo. It's yeah. just, no, I find it, what I love about it is he, he chose the word garçon, which is so weird in a diner. Yeah. 
to be at the beginning of the movie, and when it, you hear it in the, in the it last It calls song, you immediately. It calls yeah. you immediately. Oh my god, okay, there's a... There's yeah. One. Yeah. Um, and then, I just love the ending. It's the two of them in the dorkiest shirts possible. possible put, put, put away their guns. Like, couple, couple of dorks. dorks. They're your, your shirts. <laughs> <laughs> the two dorks walk out to the coolest music possible. Yeah. I just... I also love the surf rock in this. Yeah. Surf rock must... It wasn't a thing. No one was talking about surf rock in the 1990s. He made it so cool again. It's just amazing. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, this this movie to me is a, a ten out of ten film. One of like the only one of maybe only ten films that reaches that height for me. That is like that top level of films all time. I think it's it's one of the top ten greatest movies ever. It's so good. And at first I was not. I still loved it, but I was always a little like, oh, the chronology. Like, does it really add something? But I do think it does. And yeah. I think the biggest one, and then some of it, like, not so much, but I think the one that really does is, like we said, that ending yeah. and that beginning. Like, having them at the end and the beginning is, as opposed to being together Yeah. Well, make I, a huge difference. I also just like that we go from them shooting the guys. Like, the first time that we see Jules and Vern, uh, we we go to, um, not Jules and, Jules and, why, why am I forgetting his name right now? John Travolta's character. Well, Vincent, Vincent, Vincent. Yeah. Vincent. Um, they kill the guys, then we see them at the bar, and they're dressed like dorks, and they've got the suitcase. Yeah. And we have no clue what's happened in between. And like, you're kind of like, why the hell are they dressed in UC? Wait, also UC Santa Barbara banana slugs t-shirt. <laughs> That's great. I kind of want a UC Santa Barbara. That is their. I know. I know that's their. I kind of want a UC Santa Barbara banana. But would anyone shirt. get it? I mean, it's just a UC Santa Barbara. It's like it's just a regular shirt, but I think would some people go like, "Well, fiction." I don't know. I don't care. It's for me. Okay. <laughs> but I like that. Like we have this gap, and then we fill it in in the end, and that's really the only real jump. Other than that, it's pretty much all chronological, except for the no. jump. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, after that, we see Bruce Willis at the bar, and then we see Bruce Willis. Then we see the date with Mia Wallace. Then we see the Bruce yeah, Willis but- escaping. And Bruce then we, Willis is the last part in the whole thing. Yeah, but I'm saying, essentially, they took everything from when they shoot the guys till they leave the, the restaurant, the, the diner at the end. Yeah. That, they just shifted that to the end. Otherwise, the movie's chronological. Not exactly, but there's a little more. But, not exactly. But yeah, not exactly. But I get what you're saying, that yeah. it's not completely there's not intertwined, a huge but there's, there are parts that are This is a movie different. that doesn't do things chronologically that's very easy to follow, though. Yes. Yeah. And I, I was going to say, I don't even know if you need to follow it. You can still just be like, no. each story individually is just as good. Exactly. Every story is great. Every, there's, besides, besides the Butch's girlfriend, every scene in this movie, just watching it on its own is an amazing scene that you could Absolutely. watch without context. Yep. We, we didn't talk about any of the scenes with Lance, like Eric Stoltz's drug dealer, who was, <laughs> it's just great. Um, or with you call the... me a cell phone? You call me a cell phone? I don't know you. I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, ring, uh, rings, Ving, Ving, Ving Rames, yeah, Ving as Marcel as well. Okay, hold a second. Yeah. So we got to close up with, what's in the suitcase? Nothing. His soul. It does it's, it's the perfect MacGuffin. That's yeah, all you need to know. You doesn't matter yeah. what it is. A lot you of know that said, it drives the plot. So I've heard this, which I think is an interesting one. It's his the soul because band-aid. there's a scene where there's a bandage yeah, behind, yeah. and then. But that wasn't planned. The, that but was, I know. But at the very, I know it wasn't planned. But it's a nice thing. And at the end. Yeah. What does uh, Samuel Jackson say to Ringo? Trying to save your soul. Not, well, not just that. When he gives him the money. 
He's like, I'm not giving it to him. I'm buying something, something off him. His soul. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Again, it's not the case, but that's what I always like to think. It's like it is like yeah. something more valuable than, than money. Yeah. I just I just think it's the ultimate perfect MacGuffin. And also, you, you know what it actually was? It's a light bulb and a piece of gold foil. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it was. Yeah. That's all you need to make the perfect thing. But exactly. And that's it. I think the mystery, and, and that's the point. People might want to know, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. And it that's doesn't. what makes it so great. It's, it's not unlike J.J. Abrams. I think was I telling you about this? The mystery. J.J. Abrams. His whole thing is, ooh, it's a mystery. But that's the whole point. Is like he just makes you want to find out what the mystery is. Like, yeah, but once lost. you have like, the answer, point cares. Of, once you yeah, once you have the answer, it doesn't matter. And that's the only thing you want. Here, the goal is not to find out what's in the, the thing. It's the journey that it's you're the going. The journey. Yeah, exactly. And that's the difference. Is like, it, it's a cool little plot thing, but it's it doesn't actually. It, it drives the plot and it doesn't matter. Yeah. And yeah. The, the honestly, does the plot matter that much either? Nope. nope. You just want to spend time with these characters in this style. Also, oh God. you know, I, I, I could go on for like another, but we can't. We're, we're, we're so far into this. Um, yeah. Closing thoughts for me is this is one of the great movies of all time. I think it's, it, it's close to my heart forever. Yeah. yeah me too. Great. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Top 10. Maybe top three for me. Top, yeah. Best Tarantino movie, and Tarantino is one of my favorite directors, so it's like the best of the best. Yeah. Yep. All right. We're, we're, well, I, I've, I've had a great time with you, Dad. Thank you for coming on. I think this has been a fantastic episode for Agreed. all of us. Um, and I got, I got uh, one thing to ask Josh be, before we go. Josh? Actually, Dad. Let's ask Dad. So do you know how we sign off? Uh I've heard it several times. I don't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, then it'll be just the same because I always screw it up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dad, are you ready for sign-offs? I'm ready for sign-off. All right. Someone lead us in. <laughs> My name's Josh. My name's Michael. My name's Mitch. And we've been... Just talking. Just hey, talking. He killed it. <laughs> I think you're fired, Josh. <laughs> you found your replacement. <laughs> I think it might be better without me anyway. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Catch you next week.